0: Hey onesies, Josh Williams here and thanks for checking out the one man podcast. There's now over 200 episodes and dozens of bonus interviews, all of which are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you know what? If you don't have any of those apps, no big deal, because you can listen anytime at onemanpodcast.com. So be sure to subscribe, because it's always free, and there's a new episode out every Wednesday. And while you're at it, leave a review. It's a great way to help the podcast, and it doesn't cost you a thing. Follow One Man Podcast on all the major socials, and you'll get bonus content and pictures, fun stuff for yourself. And finally, if you have some something that you want read on the show send it to contact at one man because if you send it i'll read it on an upcoming episode thanks so much for listening and i hope you enjoy what's up everybody this is dj Demers. i'm k trevor wilson hey it's krista allen hi this is rick Mercer. what's up guys this is paul verzi and you are listening to the one man podcast yeah, yeah. My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number two hundred seven for Wednesday, April twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. How's it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? Is it the best week ever? Is it going? Uh, is it going well for you? I am recording this at uh, eight o'clock in the morning, day of, day of, very early. I uh, tried to sleep, and uh, I couldn't. I couldn't sleep. I don't know what time I woke up. I think I went to bed at like. 2 or two thirty, and uh, I didn't record on Tuesday as I normally do and I will explain to you uh, right off the top of the show uh, why that is um but uh yeah I tried to go to sleep at like 2 two thirty. uh I don't know what time I woke up I had a nightmare is what it was and it wasn't a, a regular nightmare or or maybe depending on how you classify nightmares um Maybe it was, it was exactly the kind I have like every now and again, I have supernatural nightmares where it's just the idea of being haunted or chased or, or, uh, assaulted, assaulted, really supernatural assault. What do we charge them with? It was supernatural assault. Uh, was a battery included. Uh, <laughs> no, just, just the assault. Um, yeah, like every now and again, I'll just have dreams that I'm being haunted or whatever, and something's manipulating me. Very, very paranormal activity, or whatever. And it's just weird, because it's uneasy. Because you wake up, I I mean, I wake up from the the middle of the night, it's dark, and I'm like, I have to put the TV on, or something like that. Like, I can't just turn around and go back to sleep. Right? Because those types of dreams are the ones that are uneasy. And if you have an overactive imagination, like I do, um, it's just, you're like, I don't know, if you wake up uneasy, it's hard to go back to sleep. So I throw the TV on, wasn't interested in anything, but I kept rolling over trying to go back to sleep. My arm is still killing me, but... I have news on that. Um, so yeah, I uh, I'm I'm up. I just I kept rolling over, and by the time you know seven o'clock rolled around, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm still awake. Like two, three hours later, trying to go to sleep, can't. I'm like, all right, well, brewed myself up a coffee. Here we are, eight a.m., and uh, we're time to we're, we're going to record. So why am I doing it today and not uh, yesterday, like I normally do? Well. Um, yesterday I was actually doing some reading. I got, got, uh, I'll I'll tell you guys about that. I got a book from, uh, my buddy at the idea shop there. And, um, I, I was reading that. I'm like, I'm going to read one of the stories. So it's a book called belief and I'll have a, a proper review for you guys. But I got my book yesterday and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna read one of the short stories in it, right? So I can give this thing a proper review, get the ball rolling. I took my buddy's recommendation and and read the the little short story and it was good. It was a, uh, it was called Egg Roll, and it was basically the history of how the egg roll uh was invented in North America, Canada specifically. But it's just a cool little short story. Um and I'm reading it and I'm like, all right, I got to get out of bed. And my arm is still killing me. It's my right arm right around the the elbow. So the the muscles ahead of it and just behind it, like it aches. And then a lot of times it just, like I said, it feels like you, you were working out and you worked it too hard. So I'm um, done reading the story. I'm laying in bed and I just, I reach over and I start like, basically, if you placed your thumb in the middle of your I don't know what the inside of the elbow is called. So I'm like, when I keep saying I could put it in my elbow, but it's not, it's not on the outside. It's on the inside where the arm bends, the crank of your arm. If you put your thumb there and I was just rubbing deeply and I started to like just push towards the top, just rubbing, rubbing, rubbing. And I saw this really weird lump sort of push out the top part, I guess. So like when you're holding your arm, it's the North side. So it's not the inside. It's not the outside. It's like the North part, right? You're, let's let's call your elbow east the inside is west and right in the north spot that's just fucking weird i'm looking at it right now i can make it i could i've found a way to if i've had to replicate it several times this fucking weird lump and i'm like what the fuck is that i've never seen that before i touch it and it felt like soft or whatever so i'm like (coughs) excuse me sorry guys i'm like uh well this looks new and weird and You know, maybe some sort of tendon or something fucking ripped or whatever, and I was just unaware of it. Like, it hurts a lot in my arm. Very simple things, like even just to reach over my head and pick up my phone or something like that with my right hand. I'm just used to doing that. Just It just burns trying to lift it up. You know, I can do it, but it's painful. It feels like I'm trying to lift a a 40-pound weight, and it's a phone. You know what I mean? Like, even right now, I can pick up my coffee cup and I can bring it up to me with my bicep as soon as I go to to manipulate the muscle to tilt the cup mm -mm -mm. first slurp of the episode um it it hurts uh it burns that area just I've got a bottle of uh sparkling water here that has a little bit of fresh pressed ripe cherries in it not bragging um but like it's fine I can pick it up and then as soon as I go to shake it side to side to sort of get the fruity stuff off the bottom just pain not excruciating it's better than it was but pain so as soon as i saw that lump i was like what the fuck obviously freak out any kind of lumps are are weird but i'm like well it's in my arm you don't hear a lot of people getting arm cancer or whatever so i was just like oh my god like but it's weird it looks fucked up like it pops out in a weird weird way um so anyways, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, I got to go to the hospital and get this looked at. It's been three weeks since I, I injured myself. I got to, I got to go get it looked at. So I, uh, I, I asked Simon, my roommate who was just home hanging out. I'm just like, Hey man, you, do you mind coming and sit with me at the hospital? Like the hospital's a block away. So we like, we walk over, but do you mind walking me to the hospital? We'll, you know, just so I have somebody there with me just so my mind doesn't go crazy. I can chat with you instead of just being anxious. Simon's great. Came with me. And, uh, I decided to bring the book with me. Cause I'm like, there's gonna be little parts where they've got me sitting, you know, in a room by myself. They won't let you go back into the urgent care section. So, uh, with anyone else, of course. So I brought my book. I read one of the other stories in it, but, uh, because of COVID actually things, in the hospital are, are a lot quieter. You don't have people going in for every bump and bruise or whatever. So, um, all the nurses were great. Everything was actually pretty quick. And, um, i i'm talking to the, the the doctor finally and i'm telling him like you know i I mean i had to tell the nurses all the same shit too like hey if i hurt my arm like three weeks ago i was doing some you know particularly busy labor you know i think i said this in the podcast last week or week before but i'm like i don't subscribe to being a fat guy like i'm fat but i don't like operate like one where i'm just like oh i guess everything i'll do i'll just do it half-assed and waddle everywhere like i, I just it's on me i i I am, I am a fat guy that hates fat people, you know what I mean? Because they just I don't know there's something just about leaning into being fat that I just can't do. I do fat things but I don't like leaning. I even call myself a fat person. so you just you identify as a fat person. I try not to. I do seemingly, but I, I don't identify as a, like I just there's certain things I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to walk around with my fucking gut hanging out of my shirt. You know what I mean? That's gross. You see people sitting there and their bellies sliding. In front. I, I don't do that. I actually buy t-shirts big enough that I can tuck into my pants so that like it's in there. I have a joke in my act about it. I'm like, you know, I, I, I even buy the same. Like I'll even wear the same color t-shirt as my overshirt. Just like, like I said in my act, I go in case any part of me comes spilling out. I go. I call it the reserve shoot. <laughs> you know, it's something. That, I, I have courtesy, right? I don't want to. I don't want to walk around like I got a fucking flesh colored fanny pack sitting there. It's gross, right? make myself mildly presentable i'm fat but i wear it well so anyways and when i do a job i don't fucking do it you know like oh, i guess i'll just fuck around i think uh i've mentioned this in the podcast in the past but for any newer listeners by the way thank you everyone for listening um for any newer listeners um i i just like i said a i don't i don't subscribe to it and i i injured myself i have a, a hernia that's like i've had for over a decade And for years, like it's affecting like my core and my left side. And so for years, like if I turn the wrong way too quickly or whatever, like the muscles seize up and I'm like, I'm, I'm done for the day in terms of anything that requires any kind of core stimulus. Like it's like that Charlie horse seize up thing where you're just like, you're, you're toast. Um, and for years, none of my doctors could figure out what was wrong or anything like that. And I, it was even to the point where like, you know, like my girlfriend at the time was like, are you sure it's not in your head? And I was like, it was, it was just such a defeat of Cause like, I knew I was in pain. I knew something was there. And the fact that no doctors could find it. Like I just, to me, I felt like everyone was just looking at me like, Oh, I was just making excuses. Cause I was lazy. Like I, the fat guy he doesn't want to do it. He's being lazy, which is fucking heartbreaking. Like it's like the worst thing. You know what I mean? Like I can imagine like speaking of supernatural shit, I can just imagine it being like those people in the movies where they're like, no, a ghost raped me and like nobody believes them. Right? How many ghosts got Me too You know what I mean? Where no one believed it before and they're like, Time's up, we're ready to believe you. <laughs> um We had to take a real hard hitting thing, Josh, and uh and, and trivialize it for such a stupid joke. Well, thank you. It's kind of my thing. Um But yeah, uh I have gone off so many branches I have no idea what I was talking about. Anyways, yeah, so like I and then finally I had a doctor who who looked into it and actually did the old fashioned hernia test. He stuck his finger up in between my balls. Uh, I just, at least I hope that's the method. And he asked me to cough and, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, I could feel it. He goes, I could feel it before you even cough a cough for me. I he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you gotta, you got a hernia there, buddy. So vindication, it felt nice to be like someone found something and he'd made all sorts of suggestions. I've talked to my current doctor and he's like, well, we can get you the hernia surgery, but you gotta lose the weight because it's going to make it real rough for you to heal. I slurp a lot, guys, because I've actually been told by some listeners that they think it's funny. They laugh when they hear me slurping. Um I have people who count how many times I yawn in an episode. Like I know that a lot of times I would get to the end of the day on Tuesday and try to record the episode and by then I'd be tired, low energy, or whatever. So I really do try to I really do try to make it my first order of business on a Tuesday. Um but yesterday I had a few things that were pressing and then <clears throat> excuse me I wanted to have I wanted to I wanted to do the the book review just to do like a bit of a teaser and then uh <laughs> you know and then I found that lump so I was like oh, I'll just talk a little bit about the book we'll get this thing done found the lump and I'm like well now I'm spending the afternoon evening at the hospital. By the time I got home I didn't get home super late but I would just I was just so mentally drained and stressed. Uh I'm like, you know what? I'll just go to sleep. I'll wake up early and do it. And and then, then I couldn't sleep. You know I got haunted in my dreams. Uh, so, but at least I had some rest. I'm a little bit more, I guess, refreshed to do the podcast. Anyways, long story short is, uh, I'm telling them, like I go, I was doing this vigorous exercises, the nurses we're, we're back in the hospital here and uh, I'm telling the nurses, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I, I was working hard. Like I, I did this when I was, um, working the uh, the harvey's activation right when we were giving away the free burgers i was maybe a two hours into our shift and my my arm was like screaming at me it was so painful but i'm like ah you know what i'm just not used to working we've been in the pandemic you know so that's the thing is i didn't stop what i was doing i kept working doing my job we were lifting a lot of heavy stanchions and things like that for the setup and then it was like go 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 in the kitchen where we put out 300 you know burgers and packed a bunch of shit like so it was just go 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 wrap wrap grab lift move move this that whatever blah 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 so i'm like i hurt my arm then i go but it's it's been i've I've reaggravated it i i reaggravated it okay so get this um is this a great story well that's what i'm gonna tell you so i was like doing good like it was progressively starting to get better very minimal uh difference but a difference that was at least mildly noticeable um, I was noticing that like I could, I, my arm was starting to hurt a little bit less. Right? So I was in bed the other night and I was watching some movies as one does. Uh, I watched uh truth or dare, and then I watched another version of truth or dare. Uh, I tried, I, I like watching horror movies every night again, Josh, why do you have nightmares? Um, <coughs> supernatural. I like it. I find it fascinating. You know, I get wicked into everything I'm doing. Like people laugh at me. They're like, Josh, you're a huge pushy. You know what? I'm not really. Maybe I am. Um, I'm not really like a huge pusher. Like I'm not. The funny thing is like I jump in a horror movie like like, like nobody's business. I'm very high strung, very anxious, and I, I get wicked into whatever I'm watching. So like I buy into it, but I will jump like I'm I'm fucking I'm high strung. So like you jump scare me. I'll fucking jump. But I'm not like afraid of the thing. It's not like, oh, oh, get it off the screen. I can't. Like, I don't care. I can stare at Pennywise, the clown in his, his monster form. It's not scaring me. But when he jumps out at you from nowhere, like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, my roommates will jump out at me and it scares me. I do it to them too. You know what I mean? If a fucking spider falls off the ceiling and hits me in the face, I'll fucking jump. I wasn't expecting it. You know what I mean? I'm fucking, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the perfect type of person for jump scares. Um, so anyways, yeah, I like, I, I, I get freaked out by shit, but I don't, uh, <laughs> like look at it. I'm like, ooh, ooh. anyways, I got these horror movies going on. We'll get back to the hospital thing guys. I, uh, I'm bouncing around. We're, we're doing it, uh, Tarantino style. I bounce around here in the story, but, uh, I'm watching a movie. I have my Apple TV remote with me and I, I guess I put it down on the bed. I've got like a little sort of spot like spot on my desk right next to me where i put all my remotes i actually have them sitting in the printer tray where the paper comes out not not the tray like where the paper goes in just just where when you're printing it would go so i've got five remotes lined up in there i got one for my ceiling fan and my light uh i've actually got my voice recorder there this is "Like, guy i want it close in case i have to be. that's a perfect idea josh i should start using my voice recorder. the amount of times i get out of bed right because at the end of the day i start thinking of jokes and whatever. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to write this down again. The whole reason I have my voice recorder there is so that I can just reach over, record, and <clears throat> go to sleep. Anyways, TV remote, Apple TV remote, uh, soundbar remote, all just sitting in the tray within reach. Um, but the Apple TV remote is like thin, right? If you've ever seen one, guys, it's it's a thin little like one inch by three inch by, you know, uh, an eighth of an inch fucking remote. It's not very, very big. Um. So I, I guess I put it down on the bed and the thing with that is, you know, you roll over, flip your covers, whatever it's going to go in my, now my bed, my bed sits in the corner of my room. It's got like a headboard that's actually like, it doesn't have any like kind of legs to it. You actually have to bolt it to the wall. Um, My bed itself is one that has drawers underneath it. Okay, so it's not just like a bed where I can just look underneath it at any time. It sits right flush against the floor, and it has drawers underneath it. Um, it's Ikea, but just so you know, like the drawers, like it's not like I can just take the drawer out. Um, now, I've got my desk right next to my bed, and at the foot of my bed, I've got like maybe a two not even i'm looking at it right now it's like maybe a foot and a half large gap that's got like some some stock from the one-man podcast boxes and things like that uh you know i've talked to you guys in the past about having to store shit to keep my roommates out of it so like i've got the way my my shit is packed it's like a garage that's just jammed full of shit right and you're like oh, i need something from the back you're like i gotta pull everything out in order to get to it so i'm in bed i roll over and i just hear da, 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 like the remote fall and I'm like, oh, fuck And I look down at the floor. It's not on the floor. Shit. And my arm is still fucking killing me. It's like, I'm trying not to use my arm. In fact, I took the evening off that night to lay in bed and watch movies so that I wasn't playing video games or doing anything that required me to use my, my arm. I'm like, I'm, I put my arm up on my body pillow. I'm like, boom, put my, my Volterra on it, whatever. And I'm like, I'm just going to rest this thing. I want it to get better. And you don't realize how much like you use your arm for shit and your hands and everything like that until you can't use one. Um, and so anyways, I'm like, I'm looking around I'm like, oh, fuck. So first thing I do is like pull up all the covers. Like I looked on the floor right away. I, thoroughly, no. But normally when my, my shit falls on the floor, I could see it right away. And I, <laughs> I start taking the blankets off carefully to see if it fell. like I'm like, I heard it fall. So I know. I look and basically it's the only remote that's missing. So I know what I'm looking for. And there's a gap between the mattress and the headboard that this thing could fall way because it's so fucking thin. It can fall right straight down and end up under the headboard because the headboard's floating. So there's room for it to fall down on the floor underneath there, but I can't get to it. I can't just slide my bed down, right? Because my bed's got a, a rolling cart and boxes, right? Um, so I I'm like okay fuck like I I try to reach down first look nothing I I could pull the bed maybe 2 inches towards the desk and I look look behind the bed I don't see it straight down the where where the mattress sits in the bed frame it could fall straight down into there. And then I got two boards that prop the mattress up underneath those boards is the drawers underneath. Right. And there's, but there's a gap beside the drawers where it's small enough to fall right under the drawer, which means I got to pull the drawers out, like out, out, not just open them, pull them right out. So I'm like, I'm looking first in the cracks behind the bed by the wall and what I can see down and reaching down and hoping that it's sitting on top of the box or the frame or whatever it is, reach around nothing. And this is me stuffing my, my lead arm, my right arm around, right. Trying to do it left-handed. It's not the same. I'm trying to hold my phone with the flashlight and trying to see. So I'm reaching my arm around there, digging around, digging around, can't find it. Nothing. I, I can't begin to describe the process of moving everything. Cause I'm like, I got to pull the drawers out to look and see if it's under the drawers. I have to pull the bed, see if it's underneath the headboard. <clears throat> so I'm moving a bed. Like, and I got two, I got a box spring and I have a mattress. I can't get the mattress. Like I pull the mattress and the box spring off and start looking underneath there. It's not in there. I like put them down on the floor. I have to move my cart, which is filled with can't right my food stuff. So like jars of things, cans of things. I can't just move this thing forward along the floor. I actually had to like empty the shit off of it and then lift the cart with still a reasonable amount of heavy stuff in it, all using my arm. Lift it up over the beds, which is, by the way, a drawer high, a box spring high, and then a mattress high. Because there isn't enough room in my room to have the mattresses off and move this cart and all the shit. So all the mattress and box springs back on. Move this cart. Move my bed all the way down. All this using my arms and everything like that. Really aggravating my fucking arm. Pulling it down. I'm lifting up the, like... At one point, I had to lift up the mattress in the box spring, then lift up the wood, the, the big plywood things that support the, the bed and the box spring, lifting them up. I've got them hoisted and like on my my neck, shoulders, holding them up so I can use my hands to dig around through the drawers and look underneath the drawers, keeping in mind that two of the drawers that come out. So basically the way the drawers are set up is I got two drawers on one side of the bed, I got two drawers on the other. The two drawers on the other side of the bed are against the wall, which means there's nowhere I don't actually have enough room in my room to slide my bed out enough to get those drawers out. So I'm like hoping and praying it's not under there. Um, but I look in the drawers, there's nothing in the drawers, the drawers on the other side, the ones that I can't pull out normally, unless I slide my bed down, I managed to get them out, look all through. And it's a, it's like a junk drawer, right? Like in the kitchen with all the odds and ends. And I'm looking for a needle in a haystack. So I'm digging around, like you could have fallen in here as I'm digging. I could be shuffling it underneath. So I had to take everything out of that drawer, excuse me, everything out of that drawer, pull it all out move it around like i'm constantly moving things off of things so i can move something else so i can move something else like it's crazy and at this point i'm holding this shit up on my back as i'm moving things out of the drawers uh and then i finally have to pull the drawer out there's nothing underneath and i'm like oh my god i look underneath the headboard cobwebs because it's a big open space that's not really accessible but to bugs right spiders can get in there so i'm like i'm vacuuming all this shit dust all that stuff out there so i'm aggravating my allergies too which is the least of my concerns but just to get into the space right i can move my bed maybe two feet one way two feet the other and that's about it so it's not enough room to get to what i need to get to and two feet is a gross exaggeration um like i said a foot and a half one way a foot the other and that's about it so it's like we're trying to get in these areas i'm hoping and praying that my remote is not underneath the drawers that are against the wall because there's no way to get them out like that's just the plain and simple thing there's no way to get them out if it fell down past like through the gap in the drawers and is underneath them there's no way to get it so my point is that i'm like i'm i'm putting other stuff and at one point i just can't find a remote i'm like i'm like okay i've i've torn my room apart i've moved everything boxes and and trays and carts full of shit drawers full of shit pulled out vacuum everything i've i've been an hour enough i haven't done that much physical the lifting the mattresses by myself uh was uh, unbelievable and nowhere to put them so it's like lifting it up holding it up while i'm trying to do I'm, I'm i'm the whole time i'm going i'm fucking setting myself back to zero with my arm like this this hurts so bad but i'm like i gotta find my fucking remote and i finally like i had to give up i'm like it's probably under one of those drawers that I can't move. And I go, this fucking sucks. I go, well, I have the app on my phone. I can use my app on my phone for my Apple TV. It's not ideal, but you know, and just being crazy, right. And neurotic and OCD. I'm like, I can't just not find my remote. I don't, I don't lose things in general. So I, I hate losing anything. I, I put everything back, uh, you know, and I, I lay down in bed. I'm like, what the fuck? And I literally looked down at the, I swear to God, I looked down at the floor and under my chair, which has moved several times and, and whatnot through this process, just under my chair, like right, right next to it, the remote sitting on the floor. And I'm just like, I'm not pissed. Like it, like it basically would like, it was there the whole time just sitting on the floor. But I'm like, I'm like, I looked, it wasn't there. Um, it didn't fall out of anything. You know, I would have heard it. Everything I was moving was like one at a time kind of thing. Like it didn't fall out of anything. I would have heard it. It's just, I guess it was there the whole time, but I, I paid the universe it's, it's due by putting myself out. So it's like, all right, you did the fucking work or whatever. Here's your remote back, whatever. But I aggravated it. My, the worst was just that I I did all that shit. I aggravated my arm so bad. So I'm telling them that I, I worked this Harvey's gig where I was working in a kitchen and that's when I heard it. And I said, but I, I, I don't know if it would have been better by now, but I, I set it back so hard uh, doing all of this moving stuff around or whatever. Like, again, I, I'm, I'm sure I was way too descriptive with it, but like <clears throat> there's just certain things in certain spaces where you're like, if I ever had to get in there, it's not like, Oh, I dropped something behind the couch. I'll just pull the couch out or all someone. Oh, I need someone to help me lift the couch. Right. Or let me go get a broom and I'll just, I'll just pull it out. It's like, it's like the small, thin remote. Yes. Sleek Apple design. Great. In this case, it can fall through anything like change in a couch. Like it'll just keep falling into the works of, and, and of course my bed is was way more elaborate in terms of places that shit can fall than, than need be. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it was just, it was just unbelievable unbelievable um so i'm telling them i'm like i i re-aggravated i set myself back so i don't know if i you know if it should be better by now i go but i was laying in bed today and i was rubbing it and i go this fucking lump popped out of it and and immediately as soon as i showed them the lump like i could recreate it any minute i'm just like look at this and immediately they just start poking it like touching it They're like okay nobody seemed to care <clears throat> so i'm like all right well nothing to worry about then if nobody cares they're like it's fine i do find it a bit odd medically when someone's like eh, it's fine it's under the skin you know, you haven't seen it. I mean, I don't think it's cancer or anything, but the idea that you just, eh, it's nothing. (laughs) Really? Is it nothing? What about all the other things are going on under there? A lot of them I'm sure require some sort of investigation. Anyways. Um, so when I, when I talk to the doctor or whatever, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I saw this lump. I had to come in there. They're all like, when did this pain start? And I'm like, like three weeks ago, like I go, but I just found the lump. Like X amount, like just this after, like right before I came here, 15 minutes before I came here, I found it. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. And I got to get to the doctor. So, um, did that. And so I, I get to the doctor, uh, I'm, I, I'm in the back room, the, the doctor finally comes in and he goes, so what's going on? And I'm telling him about the thing. I show him the lump. I, I think he poked it right away. He's like, that's yeah, nothing to But like, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's unreal, like unrelated. I'm like, really? And he starts reaching in and he's like rubbing around in my elbow. I go, it's a pain in my forearm, but it's, it seems to be concentrating uh, concentrated in the, the elbow somewhere. And he goes, where exactly? And I'm like, that's the tough part. And I'm like the pain. I could say it's all right here. The pain hurts there, but trying to isolate where it is. And he's like, okay. And he reaches and starts rubbing the source of the pain. He goes right there. And I go, yeah, like the like, right small area. And he's like, okay, he does a few things with me. He's like, uh, like, you know, pull your bicep up. He's like, push up against me here. And I go, I'm good like that. I go, anything I'm pulling with my bicep, I'm good. But anything I have to push the opposite, I'm doing it right now. It fucking kills <clears throat> I go, anything I push in the opposite hurts and he's, he's doing it with me. He's got me pushing inwards, you know, like, like moving my hands, like in a, like in a clapping motion <clears throat> in the sense that like, if you're clapping to bring your hands together, he's got me pu- bringing my hand towards the, the inside. No problem. And he's like, now push out. And I'm like, yeah, it hurts a little more there, but it goes more so, you know, when it's pressing up like a different, I guess a little bit different. anyways, He's like, yeah, okay. And he, he seemed to find exactly like right away. He's like, it's going to hurt here. Did I like that? Yeah. And he goes, then this is okay. I go. Yeah. And he goes, all right. Well, you know, and he just does the swinging racket motion. He goes, you got a uh, tennis elbow. <laughs> and I just said, nobody's going to believe that, you know? He goes, yeah, the thing, and he starts to explain to me about all the different muscles that come into place there. And he goes, he goes, yeah. And he goes, just, you know, you don't have to, he goes, you were, you were working pretty hard in the kitchen. I go, yeah, I go, I just assumed I hurt myself. I go, it felt, it honestly feels like if you work out too hard at the gym and you got that burn, you can barely move your muscles the next day. But I'm like, but it's been like three weeks. I go, like, I have gone to the gym on occasion. And even when I pushed too hard, like, you know, I'm three, maybe four days max, um, trying to, to feel better. You know, it's not three weeks. And he's like, yeah, well, there's a ton of little, little, uh, muscles that come together in that area and this and that. And he goes, so you might, uh, might need to, to get some physiotherapy. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, this is not going to just heal on its own. He's like, well, it will, but it takes a long time. Like physio is going to move it forward. I'm like, Jesus. And he's like, you know what my suggestion is? And I go YouTube, he goes YouTube. (laughs) I'm like, that's, that's the medical, that's the prescription. Yeah. Take, uh, take one, uh, like, and subscribe, uh, <laughs> smash that bell. Like that's, that's the medical. How funny is that too? Cause I didn't like say like, Hey, I got no insurance or anything. Like literally his go-to was YouTube. And I thought that was funny. I really did think that was funny. Um, and then he asked me later on, he's like, you know, do you have any uh, insurance? And I go, no, I'm a, I'm a comedian. I'm like, I got no, no insurance, no work like that. And he's like, all right, well, de- let me do the YouTube thing. But he goes, but I would suggest maybe getting just one session with a physiotherapist and just you know ask them the questions, get them to tell you some stuff that you can do. And uh, and uh, and apparently, I've, I mean, I've I've told a few friends already what happened. My my mom, you know, like uh, you know, if, if I'm ever if going to the hospital, I find a lump, I I call my mom right away. Like, mom, I found a lump. I'm going to the hospital. Just if you don't hear from me or whatever it is, I'm just, I'm just there. And, you know, I might call you panicking later with some horrible diagnosis, but, uh, just be prepared. Just know that I'm going crazy right now. But, uh, it was, uh, it was interesting that he was just like this and that, you know, just check out YouTube. Cause a few people, uh, sent me links to some things and just said like, Hey, watch out for physiotherapy too. Cause like nowadays, like they, they, I guess they're getting wise to people, coming in for like, Hey, tell me some exercises and that that's it. Like they want you to sign up for like a few sessions or whatever it is. Like it's non-negotiable. You got to sign up for minimum three sessions or some shit. So, excuse me. <clears throat> I feel like I'm trying to clear my throat. Like something's just sitting there and will not let me speak without just that feeling like can't keep talking. Got to clear your throat. I apologize for all the slurping and whatnot. Um But yeah. So, so people are like, yeah, watch this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's, quite literally what I'm going to do while I'm waiting for Offonic to scrub this audio. And while I'm producing it is I'm going to put one of those on in the background, and see what I can do. But tennis elbow is what, uh, what your boy has. I, uh, I asked him if like the playing the video games would aggravate or anything. He's like, not really. He's like really like he goes quite literally try not to use your arm at all. That's the fastest way for it to heal. He suggested, I, I said, well, do you have like any kind of like muscle relaxants or anything you can suggest that'll make things he's like acetaminophen, ibuprofen, he goes, you don't need any, uh, and and he suggested, you know, naproxen of some kind. This is all, I go, a generic's fine. He goes, generic's fine. So, um, yeah, he goes, just do that. He goes, there's nothing. I told him I was using Voltaren a bit. He's like, yeah, Voltaren's really good. Jesus. Sorry guys. I really don't know what is stuck. I can, can you hear it? It's right there and it doesn't want to, sorry. It's just really uncomfortable to talk when it's something sitting right there, right there and just keeps coming up a little bit. I apologize. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, sorry, still fighting with it right now. Contemplate. I'm going I'm to pause and see what I can do about this. All right. Might have solved it, might not have. Um, so yeah, uh, Volterran's good. That's what I was rubbing it up. Put it on last night before I went to sleep. Um, I'm just going to keep doing that. That doesn't seem to say how much to use and it doesn't seem to say how often. Um, so hopefully I'm not overdoing it or underdoing it. Uh, when I put the Volterran on, it's not a very big tube that I have. So I'm trying to, I guess, conserve anyways. So tennis elbow is what I got. Video games are not making it any necessarily better or worse. Like they said, they didn't say lay off of that. I even asked him, they're like, no, I wouldn't really do it. They just try not to, to do it. But, but physio was the big one that he suggested. He suggested the YouTube it was his first suggestion. He suggested going back to it. But he said, B might want to just spend the hundred bucks once and, and get the physio. So that might be something I got to do, but, this is the funny thing. Uh, I I thought this was absolutely hilarious. I was playing Grand Theft Auto with Chad, and the night before the Harvey's gig, um, I had actually played... It's the only time I've done this in years, was uh, in Grand Theft Auto Online, you can actually play tennis with a friend, and I did play tennis with Chad uh, the night before. So I thought it was... like It, it didn't even occur to me, because I remember we were doing it and it just about like, Oh, I don't even play tennis. And then I thought about that thing. And I was like, Oh shit, that was the night before the Harveys get go. So funny that you could get tennis elbow from playing video tennis. <laughs> no. Um I think they had the funnier thing is that like, as I thought like, Hey, can you get the, the, the tennis elbow from playing video games? You're like, he's like, no, not really. But I just thought, how funny would it be if you could get tennis elbow from just sitting around playing video games? Cause I'd be like, there's like, You know, you're naming it from what causes it, but I'm like, if you can get it from just sitting around and being a lazy piece of shit, right? Option one is like an elite, elite, more of an upper class fucking outdoor sport or what way more fat fucks have been doing just over time. Like I would say more people are sitting around playing video games excessively than there are people going out and getting tennis elbow, Um But that was funny to me, uh, that, that I'd played video tennis the night before I got tennis elbow for real. That was obviously from the work in the kitchen. They said, but just, and and we were go, 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 go. So like, no questions. Like, yeah, sometimes he, and the doctor said to me, honestly, he's like, and dude, you're getting older. You know what I mean? Like he goes, wh- I go like, what about this lump? He's like, yeah, you know, don't, uh, he suggests, I did ask him about the, the thing in my, my right wrist. He's like, uh, yeah, that looks like I I can't remember what he said the name of. I've heard it before. But uh, he's like, yeah, that's, that's like a, just, just go see your family doctor for that. And you guys can look into that and get, get that figured out. But he's like, it's not nothing to worry about. Just painful. He goes, yeah, you're getting older. He's like, wait till you get to my age. He just, I go. Cause I, I said, I don't want that lump there whatever. And he's like, yeah, it's, you get older, you get lumps. It's, like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you get some doesn't matter. He goes, it's not allowed to get any bigger. It's not allowed to, to, to change color. That happens. You come back, but it's, it looks like some little benign bullshit. It's just like, what happens when you get older. You know, I got lumps all over the place. I'm a big fat fuck, you know, hey, Jesus. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's what it is. So I'm recovering from tennis elbow right now. How about that? Huh? Fucking arm hurts like a mother. It hurts so bad, guys. It is so painful. And I'm just like, I, I know that doesn't sound like much, but like, to, like the smallest things, the smallest things hurt. I'm gonna have to become a lefty. Mm -mm. sparkling water so yeah um i'm gonna do that physio thing but of course with everything being shut down and uh, no work it's gonna be tough to be allocating money to stuff when i can just do it on youtube love the medical diagnosis one medical professional suggesting people go to youtube instead of going to another regular medical professional i think maybe he caught himself it didn't seem to be, but like maybe he, like he caught himself He's like, ah, I probably really shouldn't be telling people to go to YouTube, but, you know, in case he's wearing a wire, and they're like, we're here to uncover the medical things. Uh, <laughs> the, the, we're going to cut the scandals in the medical industry of people telling people not to use other medical shit. I don't know. All right, there's way too much chatter on this. 35 minutes in, I talked about moving my bed around my room. What a disaster this human being is, huh? Um, speaking of which, I will mention this just while I'm thinking of it, is... Uh, <laughs> There are still a few one man podcast boxes left. I've put them down to the clearance price of 100 bucks. I've had a couple people uh, pick up one since I lowered the price. I've literally got a handful of them left. And the reason I'm lowering them this is still, you're, you're getting them cheaper than what I paid for them. And the nice thing is just that, like, I'd rather you have it and you're using it than them just sitting here as best. They do me no good. So. Tell you what, the next person who buys one, I'll use that hundred bucks to go get physio. You're literally helping me heal myself. you pay paying my medical bills, and you're getting a little prize pack for it, huh? How adorable is that? Um, yeah. So let me know if you're interested in the one man podcast boxes. Um, I would also like to ask uh, the onesies who have uh, have already purchased them if I could maybe get you guys to just send in your thoughts. Um, you know, what did you think? I had one, uh, listener, my friend Tasha, uh, made a little, uh, video of like her unboxing, which was fucking awesome. I, and I shared that on the, on the feed there on the socials. So that was awesome. Thank you, Tasha, for that. But, uh, yeah, anybody else, uh, and, and something you can really do to help podcast guys is I'm actually working on some new sponsors. I spent some time this week sending some emails and having a few little conversations, also trying to get guests for the podcast. Um, and some of them are starting to ask questions like, Hey, how many downloads do you get per whatever, which I hate a lot. Of, I've, I've had lots of guests who are like, yeah, I'd love to have the conversation and who knows how big it goes. A lot of the, the guest interviews, uh, tend to do better than the regular episodes, obviously because it's a conversation back and forth, but, um. But yeah, I, I get that question every now and again, where someone wants to know like, well, how many downloads per episode? And, uh, they're not, they're not, they're not in the the tens of thousands or the millions or whatever. Um, but I, I, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it, but sometimes someone wants to hear 10,000 downloads per episode. So uh would definitely say if you happen to be into the podcast, I want to thank uh, the people who have shared it with their friends. Um, very grateful for that. Again, my friend Tasha has played it for some of her clients where when she's cutting hair and stuff like that, and they have become onesies um, as well. So very, very grateful for everybody's listening. Anyone on YouTube listening, just, you know what, if you're trying to go to sleep one night and you're having a hell of a time doing it, you're like, gosh, oh, put something on white noise or whatever, throw my stupid voice on. Apparently I'm very good at putting people to sleep according to the YouTube comments. So (laughs) if you want to listen to something, listen to me. All right. Tell your friends if there's episodes you like, Um, I'm also remastering older episodes. So just the first, uh, 15, like it's, it's, it's funny. I fixed that thing with Spotify, still working on cleaning some things up, but, uh, it came to my attention a while back that, um, you know, I've had people reach out to me and say like, Hey, your your uh, thing that you did in episode 221. I'm like, oh, this is episode 207. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't have an episode 221, but the thing is with the bonus interviews, uh, on iTunes, it automatically orders them. It just assigns them a number. And I didn't realize that there was a, a, a more advanced, you know, advanced options features on, on my podcast publishing site. Um, where you can number the episodes within. And so I found that, and I, I saw that it just automatically adds a new number for the purpose of Apple and stuff like that. So I'm in the process of uh, of doing quite a few things. I'm in the process of remastering the first fifteen episodes because the first fifteen episodes of the podcast uh, did not I did not use Auphonic. So if you listen to them, it's still kind of quieter and you might have to crank the volume whatever so I'm remastering all of those uh, using Auphonic. And I'm I'm renumbering older episodes. I've also remastered the interviews because there was about four or five interviews uh, that took place within the first fifteen episodes, and so those have all been edited, remastered, and put there. So I'm I'm setting up the way that now I've got 250 episodes to go through and and change the data on and, and scrub and stuff like that. Um, but I basically will be making sure that every episode is in MP3 format so that uh, people on Spotify can get every episode. If it's not an MP3, it won't show up on Spotify. So by going in and changing them all to MP3s, scrubbing them, cleaning them, converting them, that will make sure that everything is available for everyone on Spotify. Um, it will also, uh, like I said, I'm going to go back in and and update them for Apple. I will change the episode number, and what I'm trying to do is uh, it quantifies them. So I'm actually going to have the interviews set up as bonus episodes. So I don't, so it'll recall, like it'll reorganize them because at one point it even had a season option that started presenting itself. So like when you would scroll through the episodes on, on Apple podcasts, which by the way is the biggest downloading platform for the one man podcast, like more people download there than, you know, it's, it's beyond the majority, right? So there's like, you know, 10 different places people download, but the majority come from, um, Uh, Apple podcasts and that one has like, you know, so I was scrolling through trying to find an episode for someone and I'm like seeing the season season one. And it's like some of the, like right in the middle episodes, I'm like, what is going on? Then trying to find a bonus episode. So I'm going to reorganize it. So the episodes are numbered properly. So the uh, episode numbers for the interviews They'll a be sectioned under a bonus content thing, and they will also have like episode 10,000 and something. So the numbers on those are going to be way higher than the regular episodes, which should make everything easy to find. And if you're looking for an episode number, this, um, for some reason, when you're scrolling through Apple podcasts, I don't know if the title's too long. One of my podcast episode number, blah, blah, blah. But people seem to think that the number that right in front of it, so if it says 109, that's actually probably episode like 70 something. So people are like, oh, listen to episode 109. And that's, they're not even referring to that. They're referring to the album. Anyways, this is way too much information, but this is shit for what it's worth that I spend time meticulously like, okay, we're going to have to fix this. So scrub it, change its thing. Make sure you attach these links to it. Number it that, go into the bonus content. Make sure you list it as a regular episode, take the season off. Like it's a lot of little bullshit. That one thing that just, if, if one day throughout the course of the podcast to, the platforms that I upload to, I'll get emails from different things saying like, we no longer accept this audio format. So M, so, so it, at first, like my things record as waves. Right now, this is being recorded as a wave on my Zoom H6 recorder. I pull that off, bring it into GarageBand, and I put in the opening tracks and the, the intro and all that stuff i had the the outro song then it converts it to i think like an m4v file i have no idea what that's all about then when i scrub it and put it in a phonic it converts it to an mp3 but it didn't always before it used to have to it would it would stay as an m4v like it would just it would only convert it if i asked it to and because podbean would allow for me to upload the m4vs there was no reason for me to change it well guess what now that the, the Uh, you know, Podbean saying they're only accepting MP3s going forward, which is fine, but Spotify only accepts MP3s like ever. So all of those old files, uh, even though they've been scrubbed by Alphonic, will require me to go in and change them to MP3. So that's work. I'll I'll have to go through each file and see what type it is. It's just work. No problem doing it. I'm doing it there. I, I, and I appreciate everyone who listens, but just so you know that if you're, if you're noticing, again, I get no feedback, but on this stuff, but if you're noticing that like you're, you're looking on Apple and you're like, why doesn't this make sense? Why is it kind of all over? It has to do with the, the data and the sorting. And it is on my list of things to do this week. Um, I will not have all of the episodes scrubbed because I've got, uh, I've scrubbed episodes one, two, and three remastered. I got to go up all the way up to episode 15. I have already scrubbed all the bonus interviews in there. Um, and and the reason I say that is is uh, I get 10 hours a month from Alphonic. That's what I pay for. Um, so I, I use, I mean, this one's going to be obviously over an hour because I got a bunch of shit to talk about. It's 45 minutes in already. But I uh, I need, you know, four or five, you know, and lately I've, I had some right close to the 200th episode. I had a lot of episodes that were like going two, three hours long. So I, I, use a, a big chunk of that for just the regular episodes in a month. And then last month I had about three hours left that I didn't use. And I scrubbed episode one, two, and three with them because was where back when I was doing about an hour. So um, that's the process. So for the next little while, you know, it'll take a little bit before everything's perfectly remastered whatever, but you guys may notice, I don't know how it works on your end, but you may notice that you're getting notifications that like a new episode has posted and it's like episode one, two, three. If it's those early ones, for starters, if you've never listened to those episodes, if you came in along the way, feel free to listen to them. Uh you can get a real good idea of how far I've come or not come in my four years doing this. Um also, uh if you were a listener then, Feel free to listen again uh to see how long or how far we've come uh since those episodes. By the way, uh put out an episode number six, uh pissed someone off, uh read their email episode nine, got in shit from them, um, all sorts of stuff like that. So yeehaw, Um you can listen to, to the the those kind of things. I, I don't know if I got upset or whatever it is. Um whatever. You can hear the early episodes, they're there. Enjoy. Um, but if you're getting notifications of like, hey, there's a new episode, episode one or whatever, uh, it could be because I'm, I'm posting a new file and removing the old one. And of course, as soon as you post something, you get a notification that there's a new episode. So just thought I'd let you guys know if, if you're seeing it, and wondering why that's happening, it's there. Also, speaking of the off uh, credits and whatnot. You'll notice that there's a donation button on all of the new episodes over 200. I think I'll probably stop after 210. Uh, realistically, I'm just trying to expedite this process. So if you guys want to help the podcast, A, you can buy a one-man podcast collector's edition box. There's just a handful of left, a uh, handful of left, handful of them left um alternatively on the episode link you'll see that there's like a hey donate off on credits so you can spend 5 10 bucks just throw it away it gives me more hours to use to scrub the old stuff or or just to use in the future if we have a busy month or if I'm doing something like the 200th episode where I'm interviewing a lot of people and I have a lot of audio to clean up to edit down and use um that's that's what i use that's how you can help out but that honestly the biggest one for me is um if you like this tell a friend if there's a particular interview that you like Tell a friend, share that link for that episode on your socials or whatever, just anything that kind of gets it out there. I know these are not all fucking home runs. I know a lot of them are not home runs. Um, I'm already just for what it's worth already. If you're listening to this just in general, I'm super grateful. But if you have anybody else in your life that you're like, Oh, they do a lot of driving or they do a lot of, you know, stuff where they're looking for content. If you hear if you hear one of these, you think is funny, send it in, uh, makes a really big difference to me. I can't, I can't tell you. And honestly, it grows the power. Like I'm, I'm ambitious and, and really uh, tenacious trying to get some of these guests. And, um, I'll tell you guys, I've had conversations with some really, like, I'm not gonna tell you who I didn't get. Cause it's just disappointing, but I've had conversations with people that would have been great to have on the podcast, but they get to the whole, like how many downloads are there? And they're just like, nah, You know what I mean? I've got a book on the way with somebody who, um, they're like, Hey, and if you want, maybe we can do an interview with the person I've spoke with their publicist, um, maybe a week ago. Um, and after saying, they're like, okay, well, we'll circle back to this after you get the book and tell us what you did. I'm like, okay. Uh, the 4% fix author. Um, her her person, you know, uh, they were excited. What what can we tell her about your podcast? This and that was like it was a good back and forth, and they're like, oh, she's just curious. How many da 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 da? And as soon as I sent those metrics, uh, it was like, oh well, it turns out her schedule is really busy right now, so she's not really available. We'll we'll circle back. That was three months ago, um, I guess or I think I think one ninety six and we're at uh, two oh seven, so eleven episodes, eleven weeks ago. So that's safe to say about three months ago. So there you have it, right? Sometimes the numbers are just the death in and of itself. Um, people like the interviews, the interviews do well. Um, and I, it's, you know what? I've actually, uh, a thank you to you onesies, because a lot of you, like I said, a lot of you don't necessarily send emails, but you do text me or message me or whatever it is. And um and I appreciate that. Um, but you guys are a great actionable crowd. So like when I, like, for example, like the amount of listeners I have and, and the people who are just like, oh, I'll take a box. Like I said, I do have a few left, but I've had a lot of people just as soon as I even announced it, like, yeah, sure. I'll take it. I didn't even have all the stuff picked out yet, but like, I'll take it. You guys are super supportive. Love that about you. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's not your job to, to do all this stuff. Don't no, don't get me wrong, but I'm just, it's, it's, you're a very actionable crowd and I sell you guys on, on, uh, all of these interviews, but the more listeners we can get, Um, like I said, just the odd thing. If you just happen to be thinking of it with a friend, Hey, you know what? Uh, check this guy out. Let me send you a link. Listen to this interview. Uh, the individual episodes, unless I'm saying something really polarizing, which I try not to do. Um, or you guys find something particularly funny, like do it. Uh, I've got a a friend of mine actually, who's a sound guy. Um, I want to have him on, uh, we've worked on some television projects before, and I'd love to just chat with him about like how he got into the industry and like that part of the industry that doesn't really get a lot of attention. Um, it's super important, but it's just not something that you hear interviewed a lot. People interview directors and, and actors and things like that, you know, but you don't, you know, hear a lot of interviews with sound guys or, or gaffers or, you know, even the, the cinematographers, is that the one or, or, or DPs, directors of photography? That's what I was thinking of, but this just, it's fascinating stuff. And, um, and I, would say he's probably one of the best, if not the best in the city, so it's kind of cool to just, you know, be able to sit down and chat with him and, and we can kind of reminisce in some of the, the TV projects that we worked on. But um, there's just, yeah, there's a ton of people that I'd love to get get on this. And sometimes we uh, we get stonewalled when we get to the how many listeners part? I'm like, uh, you know, but then again, who what am, I, what am I bitching about, right? I got guys like like Verzi and Trent who are just friends. That's the thing, man. If if it's hard, it's getting harder and harder to have a, a face-to-face Face to face, just a conversation. Uh, I prefer speak to someone over the phone because I get an idea of whether or not they're interested. And it's so funny too because I've had a lot of people. The second they talk to me, they're like, oh man, you're so easy to talk to, and that was so much fun. And I'm like, if I could just get those people that I want to interview to just just that experience, just chat with me for a couple of minutes. It's an hour of your time. My listeners are great. That's what I was trying to praise you guys for. It was just that like. I talk about a book or I talk about something like that. And you guys are all over it and you say, Hey, look, I picked up that thing that you were talking about. And I love it. I love it. You guys are amazing. And that's one of the reasons too, why like my promise to you guys is I don't, I won't promote anything on here that I don't believe in. I won't lie about, you know, there's no, Oh my God, it's so great. And like all these ads you see from things, I'm not going to hype something up um, unless they pay me a shitload of money. No, uh, I'm not going to hype something up unless I liked it. Um, when I was, uh, when I was partnered with DK, I, I liked a lot of their stuff. I mean, I got to handpick what I wanted to look at and what I didn't. So most of the stuff I loved because, uh, it was my thing, but there was once or twice where it wasn't a glowing review. I was like, eh, I think this thing kind of sucked. I go, I was, I was disappointed whatever. Like I'll, I'll tell it how it is. I'm never going to, I'm never going to kiss something's ass if I didn't like it. Um, the book that I'm reading right now, I did not, it's called belief. And I'll, I'll give you guys a proper review on it. But the thing I'm doing, it's for, yeah, I can't even quote what it's for, because if I get it wrong, I'm going to seem like a fucking idiot. And I am an idiot, but I'm not even going to try. I'll tell you about belief in the, in a coming episode. But when, when, uh, my, my buddy, uh, Chris at the idea shop pitched it to me, it was the first time that Chris had ever suggested anything. that I was like, I have, n- I, I, I'm like, I have no interest in it. Like it's not my thing. I don't know if I actually understood what it was at first, um, but it's like, it's like a collection of stories from Asian uh, writers for something called rice paper magazine. And it's in like, it's Asian, not Asian heritage month. It might be Asian heritage month. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't remember exactly the cause. And he's saying that, and I'm just kind of go like, I don't know. I like, it's not my bag. It's not my thing. And I have no way. I have no idea how I can leverage this or build value in it. Like if I'm not interested in it, like I, I, it was like the first time I ever wanted to just tell him like, I don't think I'm interested in this, you know? Like, I don't even think like I, my curiosity isn't even peaked. Although I did, I read one of the stories yesterday. actually read two of them. One of them was good. The other one I was like, meh, but circling back to the thing on the the story, I was whatever. So I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. I'm glad he said, Hey man, you really should check it out. But, um, if I, if I like the book, we have an opportunity to chat with, with the, uh, <laughs> with the editors and stuff. I just, it's tough for me. Like if it's not my thing, I'm, I'm one of the things too, is I'm worried about misrepresenting something like I, I guess being ignorant or whatever. Um, I have no dislike for it. I just like when it's a cultural thing, I, I want to be respectful, right? If I, especially if it's a culture that I don't know a lot about, I don't want to be like, Hey, eh, here's my idiot perspective. Cause I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful. Um, anyways, so, oh god, I'm all over the map. Is this because I haven't slept? Am I being haunted with a shitty podcast right now? Um, I uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm, I'm, I just want you guys to know I am writing letters. I'm working on new partners. Um, I would love for these people just just call me. Call me. Give me five minutes. If I can't convince you to do this, fine. But in five minutes, like I can at least I can hear where they're where they're interested and where they're not, and everything's fucking emails. Write proposals. Get. sorry guys I'm just uh just a little overworked with a lot of stuff um I think on the next episode I won't get into it now because there's other shit I want to talk about but um I think on the next episode I'll let you know what was going on I told you I was working on something for a while and it was like now we have to appeal it or whatever but I'll uh, I'll tell you guys about that next time but there's just a lot like I'm I'm so not uh send an email guy I'm like let's chat Let's have an actual interaction, especially during the time of COVID. Haven't you read enough emails? Let's have a chat. And that way we'll tell from each other if, if we're, we're interested. I can hear where you're not interested and I'll adjust. Yeah. And if you are, you know, I don't know. All right. I'm, I'm getting off, uh, getting off track quite a bit here. Um, but yeah, as always, I just wanted to thank you guys. Tell a friend if you want to pick up a box. If you've been on the fence, hundred bucks, we'll find a way to, you know, we'll get it to you wherever you are, anywhere in the world. I will get you this box filled with shit worth 125 bucks full of some premium shit onesies. You've got one, send me something. Let me know what you think. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and we can move a couple things, tell a friend, anything that gets the podcast to other people. I could literally stop this podcast right now and I'll, and there's still a bunch of juicy shit I've saved. One sec. It's funny. I even said one sec to pause you. Like, like you've cut away Eh, one sec. Like you're going to actually wait The, the magic of, uh, Technology is that it's instantaneous for you, um, and and sorry if I'm landed on thick with the whole like, uh, hey, help me out here. I just, for what it's worth, I a lot one of the biggest pieces of feedback that I do get from just people who listen, whatever, is is just that they appreciate the, I guess, the honesty and the transparency. So I figured. Um, and one of the things I'm going to talk about is like kind of some behind the scenes stuff with like comedy and, and production and stuff like that. So um, just some people like, I want to know what's going on with the podcast. I want to know what you go through. I want to know what you submit. So I have no problem saying that stuff. Just sometimes like it's it, it it's work. It's work. There's a reason that most podcasts don't make it past a year or past the first hundred episodes. Like it's work. And after a while, you know, a lot of people like don't see growth right away. They're not like, oh, well, it's, it's just skyrocketing. So you know, it's not skyrocketing, so let's just quit. I, I'm not going to quit on it. Uh, I get behind a little bit at times because, uh no excuses. Point is, I'll let you know what's going on. All right. Um, I watched a, uh, I mentioned the uh, the belief thing. I mean, I read the egg roll story, which was actually nice. Um, Told you about my tennis elbow. Yep. Just scratching some things off here, gang. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I, had, I had a thought earlier this week, this is like uh, up higher on the notes. So I'm like, I wonder if, uh, <laughs> if this is worth talking about, but I've talked about so many other things I might, you know what? I'll put a little note here. and We'll move it to next week's. We'll, we'll move it to next week's until I keep having, you know, until I go, you know what? I don't need it. I don't need it. I had it here in case I needed to talk about it. I don't need to talk about it. Um, I watched a documentary with Simon. I watched the new Mortal Kombat movie. Sorry. Now I have hiccups. Uh, I watched the new Mortal Kombat movie. Um, stupid story. Uh, cool, cool fight scenes. Um, uh, my friend and listener read, uh, you know, occasional co-host. Uh, we actually uh, she actually re- reached out and she was like, hey, I'll give you my uh, my Cineplex account, uh, username and password if you want to check out this movie when we're done watching. And I was like, that's awesome. Uh, and I think more people should do that when you rent something. And you have it for like 24, 48 hours. And it's like now renting shit's like 25 bucks because it's like the the theater stuff. Um, I think it's cool that people just be like, yeah, you know what? If you rent something, give me your account. Like get get two or three friends that you're all willing to share accounts. And then just rotate. Just people take turns, you know, if every Friday you guys rent something, just be like, everyone interested in this? I don't know. I think it's kind of cool that you could just, you watch it and then, you know, hey, I'll watch it Friday night. If we get done early enough, you know, hit it up. Because I think you can only have one person watching at a time, but it'd be pretty cool to, to make a little group of people where, you know, you guys all just share accounts and everyone takes turn by in the movie. Hey, I'll watch it Friday. You guys watch it Saturday. If someone wants to watch it Sunday or whatever it is, or, or, you know, you have little time shares with it, right? We're going to do the seven o'clock, uh, Friday slot. Well, cool. I'll take your 10 PM 11 right before bed slot on Friday. We're going to take the, 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 Saturday afternoon slot i don't know i just think that's a cool thing i'm very grateful for for red doing that for me in fact red was great too because when i got back from the the hospital i was uh, i was telling the group sort of what the, i go tennis elbow because i was saying i'm guys i'm going to the hospital i find a weird lump i'm going to the hospital i'm getting my arm checked finally um and then they're all okay let us know and afterwards i just said them two words tennis elbow i go not not even joking tennis elbow and they're like and then I just responded with, "I already made all the jokes." <laughs> so before I start getting duplicates and water cooler jokes, I'm like, "I've already made all the jokes." Um, but uh, yeah, she offered to uh, to send me like a, a tensor thing for the elbow to just try to you know compress it or whatever. I Was like, very kind. She's like, "Yeah, I'll find. Uh, I got one. I'll mail it to you." Very very kind. Um. So, anyways, that was a, that was a cool thing. So we watched Mortal Kombat. Um, I I invited Simon up. Simon's an a good Mortal Kombat fan or whatever. So I think after they had watched it, I brought Psy up and uh, we watched Mortal Kombat. It was fine. The new one was fine. Like it, the story was stupid, but it's it's a movie about fucking lizard people and and scorpion guys and and you know guys with metal arms and and stupid suits and you know hats. You know what did, what did he call it? A, a boomerang hat, frisbee hat with a blade on it. You know, so just like there's just dumb, it's like dumb characters. What do you, what do you, what do you want out of it? You know, it was, it was a fun, a fun watch. That's all. It was, it was nothing to write home about. Um, but Simon and I were hanging out afterwards, and I was showing him some stuff on Crave, and we ended up watching a documentary called "Killing Is Easy." Uh, it's the Patrice O'Neill documentary. Uh, great comic. Uh, he's got one special that I'm aware of called elephant in the room, which I've seen before. Very, very funny. Uh, but Patrice is one of those guys very, very well respected in the industry. They do a Patrice O'Neill comedy benefit for his family. He died of uh, diabetes, I believe in 2012. Um, if, if not, I'm off by a year or two max, but they've, I think they did the eighth annual Patrice O'Neill benefit this, uh, this last year and it's money that goes to support his family, whatever. But, uh, uh, just great comic and the documentary was about him. It's called killing is easy. I thoroughly enjoyed it. There's a lot of great comics in it and just talked about like Patrice O'Neill is a face that you've seen in a few different things. Like he, they, they address why he never lasted long in anything, but he was in Chappelle show. He was, he had a, a spot on, uh, arrested development, uh, pre Netflix. So like when it was good. Uh, cause I, yeah, I don't think he's been alive since they brought it back, but, um, uh, yeah, Arrested Development, he was in the office as one of the warehouse guys. Um, he's been in a ton of stuff. He was on some things on TV, uh, a few things in movies, like he was a good comic and it was a fun guy, but it's a fascinating documentary. Just talks about kind of who he was and what he was into and this and that, um, very well done very, I guess, very, very respectful to his legacy. Cause his friends seem to be very, very, um, I heard about uh, the documentary on uh, bill Burr's podcast and he was just, he's always, I I hear every year when he talks about the Patrice benefit and he is always saying like, I can't believe he's gone. He's such a good friend, all that shit. So, um, I heard about the making the documentary and then I heard about it airing and how happy they were with it. And I was surprised just scrolling through the comedy section. I found that I was like, Oh, I got to watch it. And I, I threw it on immediately. Simon and I watched the entire thing. It was really, really good. And, uh, yeah, so Killing is Easy. It is on Crave TV uh here in Canada. Um it was for Comedy Central, but it was was produced by all things comedy in Los Angeles. Um so yeah, Killing is Easy, Patrice O'Neill documentary. I would strongly recommend that. If you like anything about comedy or whatever, like he's one of those guys that was like if if he hadn't have died, he was this close to just becoming one of the greats. You know what I mean? Like he was, but for like the world to know that he was one of the greats. Um, really like Patrice and you can, you can see tons of clips of him. Like he did the Opie and Anthony show a ton of times. There's, he did tons of TV press where they've got him up against someone who's talking about like, you know, comedy can't be comedy's too racy and this and like, he would challenge all that shit. Great, great comic to watch. Great guy to listen to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Quit the whistle. Um, I, I said, uh, I was chatting about um, people like like where I was coming from empathetically and why certain things bother me. Um, I, I I referenced Bill Burr saying something when someone asked him like, "Hey, you know, can women be funny?" Because he got asked that a long, a lot of a lot for a period of time. And he's just like, "Oh my god!" Like, there's all these people bitching and complaining about, um, you know, oh well, can women be funny and this and that. He's like, he's like, just just if you're not happy with what you're getting, build it yourself. Like, go build something yourself. Stop waiting for someone else to do it and then just stepping into it and asking for it yourself. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, where's mine? Where's mine? Like, you know, he goes, ladies, if you think that we're being unfair or whatever, like go build your own comedy thing. And then we'll be the ones outside going like, Hey, can we come in? And I started to talk about that, um, and I worry that I might have misrepresented my position, or just that I would be misunderstood. Because like, it's not like a hey, you know, hey, stick with your own kind of thing. Like, it's not a, an exclusion thing. It's actually more of a of a statement on like the industries and stuff like that. And, I, and this is what, what where I'm going to talk about the stand up comedy industry and things like that is just in general. There's a lot of people that don't want to build something. They just want you to give them what they want out of it. Like, okay, there's this thing like. The thing is like, you know, um, and this is not supposed to be like a a woman thing, but just in general, when people aren't happy with something like the WNBA, I bring up and that's why I say it's not against women, but like, that's something where like women, you have a, a basketball league, but you don't support it. Right. Like you, it's like when, when, you know, there's all these industries where it's like, Hey, like put more women in it or something. And it's like, well, this already exists for you. Like not to exclude, but this already exists for you and you're not supporting it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it almost makes me think of the bosses that I've had in my life, where it's like, you know, you're like, I want a promotion, I want a raise, and they're like, you're not even doing the job you have to the best of your ability. Like, show me that you're way too good for the job that you have, and then we can promote you. And I'm like, and that's very fair. Um so I just I wanted to say that like it's not uh when I was talking about that, it's not like a hey, you know, just if you want something, go make it yourself. Like this isn't for you. It's not an exclusion thing. But there's this sense of entitlement with a lot of people. And forget forget women comedians or women anything. It's not a woman thing. It just that seems to be where a lot of noise comes from in this whole like like, oh, you're excluding us. It's like you're not being excluded. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like there's a lot of women in charge of stand up, at least in Canada. You know, so if you think it's men holding women back, the quote unquote gatekeepers are women in a lot of cases. Um, And one of them for a period of time was a trans woman. Um, So if you think that like that community isn't represented by, by bookers and gatekeepers, like that isn't the case either. You know what I mean? It's just people not happy with what they're getting. So they're bitching about it. And that's one of the things that I want to talk to or talk to you guys about in the stand-up industry is there's a lot of people who, um, I, I think I did mention it briefly. Like, you know, if you think that you deserve, you know, you should be getting paid more, or whatever, like rent a theater or whatever, like, you know, like, uh, Trent said to me, I don't know if it was in our interview that we did, uh, way back in the early days of this podcast, but the idea is that stand-up comedy clubs are just a business model. Right. Like there's comics who will be like, Hey, do you want to come here for this week and make, you know, pays, pays a thousand dollars for the weekend, you know, and comics. Like they say yes to it. They agree to the terms, but then they come in there bitching like, Oh man, look how packed this place was. Can't believe I'm only really making this like, you know how much money they're making. It's like, yeah, but they're, you don't think about that on the nights where they have 20 people in the audience and they're, they're not losing money, but they're definitely not making anything special. You know what I mean? you have 20 people drinking an average of twelve dollars a head you're getting paid two hundred dollars when you break it down you're getting paid 200 250 for the show right you're like well the the not maybe not the ticket price but the the drink portions that's all that's all you right you're you're basically what they're selling in drinks is what they're making off of you know that's what you're getting paid. So they're selling drinks to pay you for being up there. And then what they made at the door is paying the server's wages and paying for the lights and everything like that. they're really not making more than you are on that night. But then the night where they're packed, you know, 200 people are in there or 180, whatever it is. It's like, yeah, they might be making quite a lot of money on that night, but you don't, you don't notice that. And that, and that's the difference between, you know, being a producer you know, and being an, uh, uh, an artist or the talent, right. Is that's the level of risk that you want to take. So like comics will be like, well, I'll just work for the club because they're, you know, I'm going to make this amount of money no matter what, like, you're not assuming any of the risk. The club is they're like, we're going to pay you this much. And then, then it's their job to sell the tickets and fill the room, right? It's their club, their, their thing. You just have to show up and perform, which is safe. And it's the same thing like being an entrepreneur or being an employee, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you're an employee, like it's not your job to, to keep the business alive, you know, in terms of promoting it and and marketing it and all that your job is to show up and do whatever your job is. Um, you know, if you're the accountant, it's not your job to be the marketer, you know, you're just my job. I just show up and keep the books. Like there's, there's a safety in it, but you know, there's also business owners too, where like you work for them as employee and they seem to think that like, the business owner seems to think that the employee should have the same level of investment that they do. And I'm like, listen, every time you work harder as an, as an owner, you can make more money. Like every effort that you put in could make you more money. Like your employees, you know, can't make more. They don't make more money. I mean, obviously people like, well, yeah, my, book. I'm just saying in general, at McDonald's, it doesn't matter if you have the busiest day ever or a dead day, you're making the same amount of money, you know? Obviously busier shifts go by faster, whatever it is, but you get my point, right? So like the McDonald's employee making the bathroom cleaner, the Kmart employee mopping the floors and organizing the the shirts, like they don't profit share. So you can work really, really hard. And guess what? You're making the same amount of money regardless. That's why there's a certain level of not giving a fuck. Whereas the guy who owns the place is walking around going, why isn't this done? Uh, Yeah, well, there's a difference. So just like being a comedian, you're you're self-employed. So you can take the safe road and just be an employee at a comedy club, or you can take a risk, go and rent a theater. Now your money's on the line. Now you're the producer. So that's that's something for what it's worth. Um I'll talk about because I've produced shows before and they're stressful. Uh they're very stressful because now you're on the hook for it. So I've made deals with absolute comedy before I've uh I've produced shows at Absolute before where it's like okay on this date i'm i'm renting the room and here's what i what i owe like i've been very fortunate being friends with jay that just you know he knows i put on a good show and uh, basically he would give me the room on a monday night so it's not like you can't you can't get the room on a weekend cuz now you're taking their show away so you got to promise them the same amount of money that they would have made for that show and then how are you going to make any money you're going to have to raise ticket prices well why would you raise ticket prices you know you might think well what's well, a great show but at the same time you're Tr- you're not, you're not tricking, but you're confusing the regular audience members going, how come the tickets are $40 tonight? They're normally 20 on a Saturday. It's like, well, there's a special show tonight. Well, is it, is it much better than the regular show that would have been mm, not twice the price? Good. I mean, sometimes, yeah, but it's just the audience doesn't know. They just came to a comedy club We want to laugh. Well, I don't want to go on that night. Why? Cause it's twice the price. So basically you've got to get the room on an off night to get a good deal. Okay. So this is just, this is just more behind the scenes shit. If you're not interested, I don't know how long I'm going to yak. So I can't tell you exactly how long to fast forward. Let's go with five minutes minimum. But the idea is I make a deal with absolute Jason be like, okay, you guarantee me $1,500 in bar sales and you can have the room for no charge. All right. This is just, I'm making up these facts, whatever, but Jay and I had a good business agreement. And again, for an off night to be able to, to make money off of the sales. He's like, you go ahead and you get the door and I'll, I'll take the room. I'm like, great. But my job is to pay the comics on that show. So I'm getting the room for free. So now I've got my venue, but it's up to me to pay the comedians and it's up to me to promote it, which means that I can't just be like, Oh, I'll just make a Facebook group and we're good to go. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I've learned this through promoting shows and producing shows for the last 10 years. Uh, right in my first fuck 10 years, the last 12 to 13 years. um, I was producing shows my very first year in standup. And so you learn real quickly, like, okay, well, you're only going to sell the tickets that you work hard to do. And you can give away tickets to fill the room. Sure. To help kill that, you know, bar quota or whatever. Um, but it doesn't, doesn't really make anything right. So right away, as soon as I produce a show, I, it's like, okay, well, my goal is now like, okay, well, uh, how many seats can I sell? Or how many, you know, how many seats can I sell? Okay. Well, this, the room seats, 180. Great. So 180 tickets. What if I sold them at 20 bucks a piece, which a lot of times I didn't, I think I did shows for like 10 bucks. So I'm like, okay, well, I can make $1,800. Great. So I book a show and I would, you know, the headliner host some of them that I would host or whatever to save myself some money, but you know, you book it and you're like, okay, the show's going to cost me $750 for the one night, right. For all the comics and everything like that. Great. All right. Well, I can make like 1100 bucks. You know, and then throughout the process, you start selling tickets or whatever it is. But you know, you might be like, well, you know, all you have to sell is enough to, you know, let's say ten dollars tickets, seven hundred fifty bucks. You only have to sell seventy five tickets to to break even. It's like, yeah, but seven hundred and fifty people. Let's just say theoretically, uh, spending twelve dollars a head, which was what the what the average price was back in the day. It's it's getting closer to fifteen now, but twelve dollars a head. Let's just say ten to be round, and then we'll add another twenty percent. Um, that's only $750 in revenue, right? 75 people times cents, $750 in revenue. Uh, let's just call it an even 900. Okay. It's an even 900 bucks. Well, if my deal to Jay is that I got to sell $1,500, $1, I can't just stop at 75. I got to get more people in, which means I either got to give away free tickets, which make me nothing. Right. But it's a way to get more butts and chairs to hit that bar quota. Or, uh, or I, or I got to like work harder and sell more tickets. And one thing I learned, uh, at least in Ottawa, in fact, it seems to be true. A lot of places I talked to a lot of people, unless you're a huge name, but, um, a lot of people too, you like, you'll promote it. People like, Oh yeah, I'm coming for sure. It's gonna be a great time. sweet. Do me a favor. Give them a call, make a reservation. Nothing. I've got, I've had people who are great supporters and they do always show up, but it's just as a producer, when you're trying to sell tickets and trying to get people to commit. You know, with, with this particular comedy club, they just take reservations. We don't sell physical tickets in advance. It's just like, here's the show. Hey, do me a favor, call and make a reservation. And we can check the book. We can check the date and see how many reservations are made. And the worst is like you're, you're promoting this going out. I'm, I'm I'm putting up posters, right? I'll go and get a hundred posters printed up at a buck a pop, right? There's another hundred dollars eats into my revenue, right? This is the cost of production and marketing and promoting when you're the producer So, you know, and the time and effort of going out and putting them up, but you're like, Hey, I'm gonna make some money. I've never lost money on shows. I've, I've always been a very, very hard worker in that regard too. But, um, but there's times where it's like, you're, I'll do like a month and a half of promoting the thing and I'll look in the books and we've got like 10 people. And all these people I'm talking to, like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, do me a favor, dude. If you're coming, appreciate it. When you get off the phone with me, just give them a quick two second call. Two second call, just say, hey, I just want to reserve. My name's this for this many people. I go just to see those numbers in the book. It'll it'll make my life a lot easier. I'll be stressed out a lot less. So, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll take care of it. You know. And then like the next day, you're, you're checking your numbers. You're like, I just I spoke to my buddy yesterday. It's not fucking here. Didn't call. Didn't reserve. Motherfucker. You know. And again, it's not to be angry. Like you're glad people are supporting and shit. But it's just like when you're two days out and you've got like 15 people in the books and you're like, I need 75 to not owe money, you know, or I need a hundred to not owe money. And the thing with just Ottawa, like, and I've learned over time just promoting shows is, um, you people book shit last minute. So like every single time, like in the last 48 hours, you know, it just fills up, fills up, fills up, fills up. And then you're, you're good. Like, you know, you're either sold out or you're just, you're just well over what you need to not lose any money or whatever. Um, which is not the goal. I could sit home and not produce a show and not lose money, but it's just the idea of building something. And being like, all right, this is a good thing. Um, I I even took to in the later years learning how to, um, you know, uh, sell tickets in advance. Like, find a way to promote and sell the tickets, sell them in advance, so get the commitment at the moment in advance, and then go cool. Now you can call and reserve, but I don't give a fuck because I've got the money. You know, if you don't want to call and reserve, that's that's on you. But you got to call and reserve this. You bought the ticket, but you still have to call and make a reservation. Uh, so that we know it's there because, you know, I think it's like 24 hours out. I'm like, your tickets aren't worth, uh, you know, if it's sold out, it's sold out. Your tickets aren't worth shit. You bought them. You didn't reserve step one of two. Um, so just the reason I'm describing this stuff is just that like, it's funny when people are like, oh, I should make more money for what I'm doing. And it's like, you're not assuming any of the risk. You know what I mean? Like if you want to make that money, like I make more money hosting a show that I produced, Then I do headlining at the club. You know what I mean? So I can work one show and some of those shows I'll make five, $600 for the one night. You know, I mean, I did work, you know, for a while producing and promoting stuff. And sometimes I've made more, I've made, you know, a thousand dollars off of a show before, but it's when you add up the time, postering and, 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 and pestering people to, to get tickets. You know, I've started to build brands like the Hilarious Bastards brand where I bring in three headliners for one night. Those shows are very popular. Um, the biggest hurdle I have with Absolute being the venue is that I can only get it on a Monday night. And I've had so many people be like, man, on Friday or Saturday night, I'd love to come out and see that show. And I'm just like, well, unfortunately, to get to give you that show... That's why things cost like a a lot more money when you go see them at like the national arts center or center point here in Ottawa to name a a few, but just going to big venues. Like that's even how rock bands and things get brought into some of these big venues. Like a lot of people think like, oh, is the band, you know, it really depends. Um, I would say most of the time it's the venue paying the band to come in and then that venue selling tickets and everything like that. Like that's really how it works. You no, know, but then sometimes the the bands will be like, "No, we're going to we're going to rent your venue and we keep all the money." Like you it's hard to tell. But usually when you're seeing something like a comedian or whatever, it's like they've rented the venue and they make the money, but it really it's it's hard to say, but that's the whole idea. Somebody is taking the risk. So for example, myself, I've talked to the theaters in town to find out how much it would cost to rent their space and something that I do at absolute comedy on a Monday night that I can do for $20 a head and give you a show that, that you would pay 80 or $90 for somewhere else. Um, because it's just in order to bring in the talent, in order to rent the the venue and you know, all the setup costs, and everything that they do, people up front taking tickets, like, like all that shit's expensive. So these people who are like, Oh, give me, I'm so good. Give me the work, whatever it's like, are, if I really feel like it's like, if you believe in yourself that much, you should, before you ever beg anybody else to put you up is put your money where your mouth is. Rent a little comedy club, rent a little event space, a little local theater, or, or if you think you're the biggest thing, rent a big theater, you know, put five to 10 grand of your own money down for just the venue and then figure out how many seats you have to sell at what price just to get your money back. All that work to break even. And again, breaking even is like not even getting off the couch. So, That's kind of where I go back to with the whole, you know, build it yourself thing is that like when everyone's like bitching and complaining, like, can, can women be funny or can these people be like funny or can this person achieve? It's like, you can go do it yourself. If you don't think that people are treating you fairly, if you don't think that, that these industries are going to let you in or whatever, like, like Trent McClellan said, it's like, it's just a comedy clubs and everything like that are just a business model. Comedy festivals are just a business model. They went and someone started that festival. You know what I mean? If you don't agree with it, go start your own. If you think that you're, if you think you deserve to be a part of these things, right? And I'm not saying that they don't, but I'm saying there's so many people bitching and whining like they deserve something and that they're not getting. It's like, go make your own then. You can, right? It's, it's a risk, but why are you expecting all the other people to take the risks and to just hand you something? That's the part that, that bothers me. Like you're never going to hear me. I'll be disappointed if I don't get something, but, but I'm not going to ever bitch about something that I'm owed. I'm never going to be owed something. The industry, the entertainment industry is the most, you know, go fuck yourself. They Don't care about you. They don't care about you. There's no, you're not owed anything in this industry. And going back to the Patrice O'Neill documentary, killing is easy. There is a lot of shit in that industry where he didn't like stuff. And he talked about how disgusting the industry was and all the things they want you to not be yourself, whatever. Like, yeah, if, if you think that you deserve it, prove it, go produce it yourself, go take the risk yourself. And when it pays off and go, yeah, now, and here's the thing. And if you do that and it works, then you don't really need it. That's why, you know, at the same time, like, that's why you don't see a lot of these big guys. Like you're not going to see Jerry Seinfeld doing a weekend at a comedy club. For starters, he can sell way more tickets than that. So like that room would never be able to accommodate all the people that he could have. He's not going to take their money for the weekend. It's not worth it. So what does he do? He will be, you know, featured at a, at a big venue, you know, 10,000 seat, uh, theater or arena or whatever it is, because that's did Why would he do? 15 shows for for these 400 seat clubs when he can put all those people and only do one show and make all the money. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's just kind of where it is. If you ever wonder like, why can't I see these comedians at my local club? Because they don't need the clubs. Their name is big enough that they can rent a, a venue or their producers or managers, or whatever, or, or that venue is just trying to book people and they reach out to them and say, Hey, how much to bring you in for the night? Okay, cool. Now, they make their 10 grand or 15 grand or fucking 40 grand or a hundred grand, whatever it is. And just know that if you're paying tickets, whatever you're paying on the tickets, it's a lot of times not people being greedy. It's just like, I I need to be able to pay for this thing. If you see a big ticket price for an act, odds are it's not, odds are not guaranteed, but odds are it's not even the act being, uh, you know, like, Oh, I'm worth this much. A lot of times it's that they're expensive and the venue needs to make their money back. You know, and turn a profit for doing this and assuming the risk or whatever. I'd be interested to know a lot more about how it kind of works when you've got these big names that come in and then cancel. You know what I mean? Um, But I'll tell you this much right now: uh, that's all ticket sales. There might be the odd occasion where something comes up in the schedule, but you'll see a lot of times where, like, I the Amy Schumer had to cancel like I think two or three times. The same company was trying to put her Dane Cook and stuff in Canada. And they just like these, these U S comics that they thought would be bigger. And it's like you bringing her to a 22,000 seat arena in Ottawa, a government town. And Amy Schumer just talks about her twat. This was like going back six or seven years. And it was just like, and it was like, they announced Amy Schumer's coming to Ottawa. Like it was supposed to be a big deal. And the tickets were like, they weren't selling Then They're like, Hey guys, just call in. We got 20% off promo code. I think honestly, within a week of them announcing her, Uh, I saw her tickets on Groupon, like they were trying to get Groupon to, you know, (laughs) sell her tickets. And then like a couple of weeks later, it was like, it was canceled. Uh, She wasn't going to be coming to Ottawa. And it's like, yeah, no shit. You can't afford to rent a 20, like either the venue couldn't afford to pay for her, right? Like, Like we're not selling any tickets or, you know, maybe her people were like, okay, we rented the venue and nothing's selling. It's not working. We're not going. So Anyways, I, I just wanted to clear that up. Cause I, I just, part of me felt like I'm like, ah, I maybe sounds like you're just being like, uh, nobody deserves to go make your own stick to your own. Like nothing like that. Just when it says go build your own, it's like, if you're not happy with what you're being offered, if you think you deserve more, you can go get more. You can go do it yourself, you know? And if you build something, then there's other people who are going to ask you to be a part of it. And then you get to be the gatekeeper and pick and choose or whatever, but A lot of people are like, oh, give me, give me, give me. It's even the same in comedy clubs, you know? Oh, give me. I deserve to be headlining. I deserve to be this and that. And it's like, okay, well, if you're not happy with who we're picking, go rent your own theater. If you're so funny that everyone wants to see you and you, like the things that you hear come out of Young Comics mouth, like, well, I could bring, like, I could bring, you know, if you book me, I'll bring, I'll fill the place every night. Great. If you can fill the place every night, go get a theater. You don't need us. The whole idea with the comedy club is we fill it because people come to see comedy. They don't know the name on the sign per se. Like you start to get a little bit of a following, but, but really they're coming to see comedy and whoever's here is whoever they're going to see. Right. If they're coming to see you and they're going to buy a ticket just for you and you've got hundreds and hundreds of people that are going to come to see you, you don't need us. You know what I mean? you go rent a theater and you can make the money. You'll take the risk, but you'll make the money. I've already said this. All right. I won't, I won't about you guys. Um, let me see if there's any notes in that particular subject that I missed. Um, yeah, I talked about the comedy club pay artist, comic versus producer. So yeah, that's the difference by the way, between being the talent and the producer, right? When someone's like, well, what's a producer? The producer is the one there's also like an book or two, right? So you got the artist or the comedian, right? That's just the talent. Then you'll have like a booker, right? That person's job is the one to, the person you talk to, 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 to book it, schedule it, whatever. Uh, The booker is not always the producer, but in the case of a comedy club, it's usually one and the same. So they're booking the talent and they're producing it, right? So it's the whole job of a a comedy club is basically a producer is we've got this venue. They're the venue as well. Venue, booker, producer, that's their job. Their job is to sell whatever show they got going on there all the time. It just happens to not be a one-off, Right. And that's the thing. If you talk to somebody, you're like, well, what is it? What is a producer for a show? It's like, well, I'm, I'm the guy who makes it happen. I'm the, or, or promoter is another one too, where I'm promoting this thing, but you got skin in the game. That's the thing, right? Whereas the, if you're just the artist, you don't, you don't give a fuck. If I've, I've, I've been, <laughs> I've been offered uh producer, like, like partnerships for shows. So I I've, I've been offered like when I go to the show, they're like, Hey, if you want, we'll pay you 750 bucks for the weekend. Um, like I, I went to Windsor and they're like, yeah, it's 750 bucks for the weekend. Or if you want, we can do like a door deal. You know what I mean? So we'll give you like 50% of the door. And I was like, I'd been to that club before and I know how fucking dead they were. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good with the seven fifty. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be like, nah, I'll just take 50% of the door and make fucking $65 for the weekend. Right. So that's the thing with like, not assuming the risk is like, yeah, I'm not a draw in Windsor. That club is gone by the way. No shit. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, in fact, that was the club that I was at, um, right before I started this podcast. Um, I was literally the 30 days beforehand studying and everything like that. And my buddy, uh, Matt Watson was with me on those shows I was just researching all the different stuff anyways, but yeah, like you, you, I've had that before where someone's like, Hey, do you want to do like a door deal or do you want like a flat rate? And I always go, what's the flat rate? And if I can, if I can, if that's worth it to me to do it, even if, even if there's a chance I could make more money on the thing, it's not worth the risk, you know, clubs, you know, the only time you do a door deal with a club is when you're kind of too big for the club in terms of like your, your draw and everything like that. But it's it's safer to do a door deal with a comedy club because they're already bringing in, like they've already got their clientele versus renting a, a a theater, right? So if you rent a theater, you're assuming more risk than if you do a door deal with the club. So sometimes for the club, it's a good idea to bring in a bigger name and they have to obviously, you know, give you more money than they would normally your regular weekly rate isn't good enough so you do a door deal where it's like you get the weekly rate and then you get x amount of of dollars um for for you know people coming through the door so if this many people showed up you get that many because theoretically it's a draw right the attendance is a direct reflection of your draw for the most part at a comedy club um jason is reluctant to do door deals um for starters he has no idea of any comics popularity he's not really got his finger on the pulse of the comedy community but Um, the main reason he doesn't want to do it is he's full all the time. Anyways, when we're open, uh, he's full all the time anyways. So for him to have an inflated ticket price would really only potentially scare away people from coming on that night. You know what I mean? Like, unless it was again, like in, in Ottawa and in Canada, like we don't really have any names that are so big. Like there's not a lot of names that are so big that they would merit a door deal And if they were, they're already doing theaters. You know what I mean? They don't really need to do a door deal with a comedy club. So I understand Jay's perspective. It's like, if you're already full anyways, why risk people not coming because they're, you know, the tickets are $10 more or $15 more. So you can give all that to the, the, the other guy, if they don't know who he is anyways, if he wasn't big enough to fill a theater on his own with just his name, you know what I mean? To, to have a bunch of people go, well, I'm not going to show up this weekend. I'll come next weekend. Like you're basically just shooting yourself, right? Let's say Jay takes 20 bucks a ticket. Some of you already know what I'm saying, but just, just so that I've put it up nicely, he's getting $20 a ticket every Saturday regularly. It's always full. This one guy comes in and it's like, well, we'll we'll charge $35 ticket. You get a $15 bonus per head plus your regular pay. Okay. That works for me. Well, now people aren't, aren't, you know, now the room is at, let's say, 75% capacity because 25% are like, no, nah, I'll just come on a different week. I don't care who the hell I've never heard of this guy anyways. Like, I I don't care. Well, all Jay has done is lost 25% of his audience at the $20 ahead, right? So, yeah, the other people play the bonus. He doesn't get that. It doesn't fill in his spot. All he did was make 25% less that one night for having a bigger name. in so for him, there's no benefit to having the bigger name in. So just, I don't know if this, this is answering a question. I don't know if this is fascinating to you guys, but this is the industry. So if, sometimes people are always like, well, why don't they have the big names I've seen on TV? They're too expensive. Big names on TV, they they do a theater. They can, their name is big enough that all I have to do is announce that it's there. And it's a lot of them fucking sell out. You hear about these shows being added. George Carlin did a show. It was, well, it was a one show in Ottawa and it sold out the day they announced it. And he added a second show. That's when I met him. Episode one remastered when you get the notification, I tell that story, but that was, uh, that was, a, uh, you know, uh, that was a, that was a cool thing. Um, but yeah, that's how the industry, uh, generally seems, you know, seems to work. That's the difference between being a booker and a producer. And that's why, like, if you don't like the money that you're making, go do it yourself. You know, it's not, a, it's not a, it's not a go fuck yourself thing. It's like, if you really believe that you're that good, go do it. Yourself. Go prove that you can do it. And here's the cool thing is that if it works, then what you don't need the comedy clubs anyways. You know what I mean? You don't need that person paying you. But that's basically what Jason did too. Didn't like the way yuck yucks was doing uh business. Not saying that they're doing anything wrong. Just saying he didn't like the way he did it. Thought he could do it better and went out and, and did it. You know what I mean? Uh, they did his own business, you know? So anyways, anyways, uh, what is this last little note here? I got, what is the, what am I, what was I talking about here? Buying a coffee for staff or taking shit silently. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's that's the metaphor of you know, just if you like the don't want to take the money or whatever. That's because yeah, people bitch. They they take the the money and then they whine and complain about how Oh well I fucking you know, the money sucks. It's like, well you knew what it was when you accepted it. Why'd you say yes if you don't like the money? You know? Go do it yourself. Go make your own. I always said that too, like the um, it's it's uh there's a there's a thing somebody I always use it. something that bothered me when I started a new job. I would buy coffee for the the the, the, the coworkers and I do it a few days in a row. It'd just be nice buy everybody coffee. And it was, and then that was, that was me thinking like, well, if I do this, they're going to like it and they're going to want to do it, you know? And it'd be nice if we just all took turns buying the coffee. You know what I mean? How nice would that be? Never caught on. And I was always resentful of it. And it's like, yeah, well, no one asked me to do it. So it's, it's, I learned a, a thing about, you know, not setting boundaries per se, but just, you know, doing things, you know, for out out of kindness and not trying to like influence, like the whole idea is like, you know, if you're going to buy coffee for everybody, you got to ask yourself ahead of time, like, Hey, if I do this and nobody reciprocates anything, you know, and if it never happens again, um, am I okay with that? You know what I mean? And if the answer is yes, then go ahead and do it. And if the answer is no, right. If you're doing it for some ulterior motive, if the answer is no, then don't do it or reevaluate or whatever it is. And I don't know why that metaphor seemed to pop into my head for this, you know, taking the money stuff, but it's like, yeah, like, like effectively don't take the money and think that, Oh, well they'll pay you more. If you do a good job or anything like that, none of that shit's discussed. This is just you going, well, i fucking take it. I don't know. It is a good tool though, just in general, if you're trying to influence people, like it's, it's the same as when you take shit silently to keep the peace or whatever it is. The whole idea with that is like, someone says something that upsets you, you should address it, you know, in a healthy way. Um, because when you're like, well, I'll just keep the peace. I don't want to start anything. It's like, yeah, but you, you are re- actually starting something, but within yourself, you're building resentment because instead of standing up for yourself or setting a boundary or whatever it is, you're just, you're just, you're just basically internalizing that you're pulling it inwards. You're letting that fester and it'll build and grow and shit. Cause I used to be the kind of person where it's was like, man, when someone treats me bad, I'll just be nice to them. And that will influence them to be nice to me. I'll, I'll go out of my way to be nice. And it's like, no, all it does is this basically teach them that they can treat you poorly and you'll still be nice to them. So, ah, oh, psychology is fascinating stuff. But yeah, I think the, 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 coffee example is like, well, you know, if you're not happy with it, don't do it. Don't say yes to the money. If you're going to sit around and bitch that they, they shouldn't be paying you more. That's been a big thing to look like, man, Can you believe that they're only paying us? Well, then why'd you say yes? Say no. And if enough people say no, they'll have to pay more for fuck's sakes. Why do you think garbage men make so much fucking money? Because nobody wants to do the job. And if no one wants to do it, they got to pay more. You stupid bastards. The thing with comedy, though, is you'll always have some guy who's fucking garbage or whatever, who'll undercut to make the money. Oh, yeah, I'll do I'll do that. I'll do that fucking gig. Who's not ready for whatever. Oh God. There's so many bad comedians out there. I'm probably one of them. I hope not. Um, What was the last thing? Oh, uh, I got, a, I got an email to read and then I got a cool little new segment that I hope catches on. Um, cause I was, and then and the, and I'll tell you right now that with the new segment, I was going to be weird as fuck with it, but, um, I have decided that I will, uh, what is this? What is this? What is this? Okay. Here we go. Hey, I've got the email from Iz. um, another onesie. Thank you kindly is for your email. Um, but yeah, this, this new, uh, little segment that I've got, I want you guys to participate. I say this with everything, but I would really love for you to participate with this one. Um, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it for a while and see if it catches on. But, um, the thoughts that I had for it, were going to be weird, weird as fuck, uh, initially. And then I'm like, ah, I should probably ease you into it, but I, I will, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that shortly. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do the, uh, the email first. So from Izzy, hello, I just wanted to weigh in on the April 21st podcast. I also don't, uh, sorry. I also liked don't fuck with cats. However, the only thing the group actually did to lead to anything of value was gain popularity. Uh, Luca Magnotta made an account and told them to look for Luca Magnotta. That is absolutely true. Much easier to find someone. Once you know their name, I will say, Uh, And I agree with you. I do agree. They, they did a little bit more like they did find certain things. I will say that they, they basically presented like, it's not like Luca Magnata was talking to the cops saying, Hey, look for Luca Magnata. Like they made the group, like we got to find this fucking guy. And he came across as it cross it. And he, so I, I think that they did, they, lured him out with their group. I will agree with you. They didn't do well, like, like in and of itself, did they find him and give an address to the cops or whatever? Um, like yes, later. Yes. It's easier to go like, who's her who we're looking for. Cause he was just like, Hey, you're looking for the wrong person. Look for Luca Magnata. Like they built something that got his attention and you know, his, his narcissism and everything like that, uh, made him say, Hey, look for, for this. Like he got them playing with themselves or whatever. Um, so I, I agree. They didn't do a whole lot. The only thing is when they found him and they're like, oh, that's the fucking guy. We found where he is. He's in Toronto. They found him in Montreal and they told the Montreal police like, Hey, this fucking guy is in your town and he's done this and that. and they ignored him. So I will say that if the Montreal, let's just shit on Montreal for a second, Montreal, uh, highest cases of COVID in the country, uh, home of Carla Homolka, the one of the worst serial killers of all time in Canada. Um, she lives there and also, uh, they dropped the ball when these people tried to warn them and say, Hey, uh, there's this guy who's fucking murdering animals. And we have a feeling he's about to kill a human being and they didn't listen to them. So they could have done like in that regard, if they had like listened and and started looking for him in advance, um, they might've been able to do something. So I do agree with you. Like, it's not like they were out there fucking doing blood spatter tests or whatever but they they did they it was impressive to see what they were doing with the tools at their disposal and the fact that they could have their efforts regardless of the fact that luca magnata spoke them like luca magnata didn't get a hold of the cops and say hey look for luca magnata but i'm with you i'm with you much easier when someone uh know their name. Yes. Sorry. Much easier to find someone once you know their name. And I love how they were upset with authorities for not using their internet research as evidence. I don't think that they didn't use it as evidence, but it was more that they just weren't listening to what they knew based on the evidence that they found. Uh, we can't go believing groups of people with nothing better to do than viral manhunts. I, I do agree with that. I just think that I think that a case was made for like, Hey, they should have at least looked at it. Like if you call it, if you call the cops and say, Oh, I think this guy is going to fucking kill somebody. They're still going to take that seriously. If you're like, I think there's a guy across the street who's about to, sh- to kill someone. They have to take that seriously. So when someone's like, Hey, we have this evidence of this guy who lives in your city, we think he's going to kill a human being. And they just don't pay attention to it. That French there. Uh, Minota. It was so funny listening to the French. Uh, what is it? The uh, homicide detective. Be like a Luca Minata, uh, Mr. Minata. It's like Luca McNata. They've said his name several times. Mr. Minata. Uh, Rocco. Rocco she kept calling him it's like Rocco everyone knows R O C C O is Rocco Luca Ro- uh, Rocco uh, Minota. it's like oh god you're killing me you're killing me um yeah what else sorry <laughs> also my favorite concert was Bruce Springsteen Ugh. in 2016 2015 question mark aside from the legendary E Street Band the only thing i know about the E Street Band is Steve Van Zandt who played Silvio in the Sopranos that's the only reason i know About the East street band uh, was just out of this world. He came right up and sang to me and the friend I was with, I got to hug him and he gave me the pick he was playing with. That's Bruce Springsteen, not, uh, not Steven Zandt. That's cool. Uh, Yeah. I know how popular Springsteen is never been a fan. Uh, I don't really even have a good reason. Just none of his music speaks to me, Um, but that's cool. I know how big a deal he is. You know, if you told me, you know, you hugged Bono or something like that, I'd be like, Oh shit, that's a, that's a big deal. So good on you. And as you, as is, is a big uh, music fan, her and I talk music, but she's, she's probably way more versed in music than I am. When I was talking about how I don't like, you know, live music and shit like that for the most part, like is, is the complete opposite. In fact, I think before the pandemic, she invented me to do a few live music things. And I was just like, uh, it's almost a trigger word for me to not want to do, not go up, but I, I'm going to try to take in more of it and see if I can find, the. Uh, find what it is that I like with live music. Um, I laughed out loud when you said, I hope this isn't the first episode you're listening to because it was the first episode I wasn't in that Andrew was listening to. Oh, uh, that's her fella. Uh, I will be watching C Spiracy this weekend so we can chat or cry about it. Uh, already take care. Yeah. I started watching the, uh, cow last night and I fell asleep. There's actually a lot of, similar facts in that one. It's basically about how Seaspiracy and Cowspiracy on Netflix. One is basically just, Hey, you know, all the shit that we're doing wrong on land. It's all, all farming and agriculture. Hey, you know, all the shit that we're doing wrong with the sea, it's all fishing and, and, you know, it's all like food feeding humans. Stop feeding us, especially me fat piece of shit that I am. Thanks for the email (laughs) is I appreciate it. Um, dig. Anyone who sends one in guys, send an email contact at one man I would love to read your emails. They're all very important to me. I love hearing your thoughts and such it's wine Wednesday guys. My emails are coming in right now. Um, all right. I got, I got a new segment. I got a new segment, a new segment here. Uh, it's my top five. That's it. It's top five guys. I want to do a top five list every week and I want my top fives to be really obscure. um, the first one is not super obscure. I just, I like, I'm sitting down to it this morning and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't make a top five list. Um, I was going to do like, I don't even want to say them cause they're probably lists that I'll do in the future, but I was going to do like weird, like X rated top five stuff, like weird shit, just my top five favorite this or that or whatever. Um, the idea came to me, uh, when I was, I was looking on, um, on Netflix or whatever I was, or not, sorry, not Netflix, uh, YouTube. I was going to try to find a recommendation for like the top 10, uh, werewolf movies. Cause like I was saying before, like there's a lot of movies that you got to watch like 10 genres, even where you got to like watch 10 bad ones for every one good one you find. So I'm just like, ah, I'd love to check out some more of those. Cause I like that movie. Howl it wasn't amazing, but it was fun. And I'm just like, I would love to just, Oh, maybe I'll do like my top 10 werewolf movies. The ones that I like the most. And, uh, so that's something that I might give you guys in the future if you're interested in, but, uh, I also, I was like, top 10 is a lot. So depending on the things that I was thinking, cause my mind went to the gutter almost immediately, but I'm like, top five is easier to do than top 10. Um, I also watched a YouTube video where someone was doing like their top, top comedies of all time, but they didn't even say, you know, uh, uh, specialize it to a 10 or anything like that. They're just like, these are just some of the best ones, whatever. And I was like, you know what? Top, top, whatever lists are great. And so, um, the one that I'm going to give you guys this week is my top five YouTube channels that I visit. So not videos, but the top five YouTube channels that I visit, because I don't do a lot of YouTube. A lot of people do, and they recommend stuff to me all the time, but uh, these are the top five that I visit on a regular basis. Um, if you're wondering what yours are, if you go to the home screen, you can pretty much see right away what your, your top ones are because it's the mishmash of all the stuff that it's showing you. Um, generally speaking from the stuff that you like to watch. So, but I am open to, if you guys want to send me your top five, uh, YouTube channels that you watch. And these, again, these are the channels, not the videos themselves. Okay. Um, I will, I will break them down for you and let you know why I chose each one, but at the same time too, um, you can send me any top five that you want. It doesn't have to be the top five that I'm doing. Um, if you want to make me give you a top five, something, anything, anything, I will do it. Top five things. Like, that's the thing. I don't even want to submit them because you might, well, but, but then again, you might be like, you know what, actually the top five things I wouldn't do for a million dollars. You know, I was going to have ones that I had to do with the porn industry, like just goofy, wacky shit, but it wouldn't just be like, Hey, here's the list. I would, I would explain each one and that would create some content there. So I'm just going to say this is a nice, easy PG one. Um, these are the top five YouTube channels that I, I visit on a regular basis. Um, even some of them, it's not been for a while, but, but these are easily the top five. So in fifth place is a website called, uh, easy allies or a website. Sorry, it's a, it's a channel called easy allies. Um, and what they do is, um, there used to be when I, when I was living on my own, uh, in 2013, there was a website called game trailers.com that I really liked. So basically it was just like, you know, uh, I had very limited time. And if I was going to play a video game, I wanted it to be good or whatever. So the easy thing for me to do was to like, I could go to game trailers.com and I could, you know, if a new game came out, I could, I could watch these guys do their, their review of it. So on game game trailers.com, uh, they had, you know, game trailers reviews and we watched, I, I we, I would watch them and they would, they they were very, uh, Brandon Jones is the name of the guy who like did all the narrations, but, but he was very articulate. They're very eloquent reviews. They're very, uh, in depth, but never boring. Um, everything just worked out really well. And you'd get a, a good, fair, honest idea of what the game was like, what its shortcomings were, what it's, what its highlights are, things like that. Uh, to me, they were like the rotten tomatoes of video game reviews. um, Game trailers, uh, and there's another one from my list that I'll reference later on, but game trailers uh, website, I guess they got bought by IGN and then just like shut down. It was also great because on game trailers, you'd actually just watch the trailers for games, right? They had a bunch of different uh, video series on there, like web series. Um, they had the final bossman with, with Kyle Bosman. Um, he was, he had a series. I never watched that one. They had one called factor fiction on game trailers where it was literally like game, um, you know, game, game myths. Like, Hey, if you get this many stars in this game, you can ride Yoshi in, in super Mario world uh, 64 or whatever. Um, you know, is Sasquatch really in Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas? Um, you know, that Island and GoldenEye, like it was just these things in games. And then they would, they would break them down and try to try to get them to work and contact developers and say, was there really like, so they were just fun. Like they just basically, you know, is it true that they say you can do this? And then sometimes it was, and sometimes it wasn't, it was just a fun little web series, 10 minute videos, whatever. Um, game trailers themselves, so that you could watch trailers, you could watch their reviews, you could watch factor Fish and lots of different shows. Um, and another funny show that I watched called the angry video game nerd was on, on game trailers, um, as well. And that was just a guy, a guy who was reviewing old Nintendo and Sega games and things like that. But as like a character, the angry, so he would swear and get all angry during the It was, it was a really cool website to find cool videos on. Um, and then a few years later, uh, IGN bought it and then, uh, like archived all the videos so you can see them online, but they never did anything with the site and it went away. So I was saying that the site, the the channel that I watch is easy Allies. So easy allies is the group of people behind the content from, from game trailers in a lot of ways. So now that's my go-to for, uh, reviews. So if you go to easy allies on YouTube, you can watch reviews for new games that come out. It's the same team, same writers, everything like, that. Um, they do other things as well. They'll do panel discussions, they'll do playthroughs of games, stuff like that. But for me, the reason I like the easy allies uh, channel is that when a new game comes out, I mean, during COVID I've got more spare time. Uh, but you know, when a new game comes out and if I'm like, is this something I to be interested in? Um, even just when new games come out, you're like, Oh, that looks cool. Um, they're just fun to watch. I, I like my whole thing for YouTube is I, I enjoy something like, look at me talking for two hours about nothing, but I, I enjoy something that's 10 minutes long. Um, if I'm eating a meal or whatever, like, I, I don't know, I, I don't even know if 10 minutes to eat a meal is fast, if that's disgusting or whatever. I, I don't know people who take a long time to eat. I'm by myself. Should I be sitting here and taking little teeny forkfuls and chewing a plant, putting my fork down in between every bite and and just staring at the walls, wondering how world is full of magic. I don't know. It's I, I usually eat in less than 10 minutes. So throw on a YouTube video. It's the perfect content, especially if I'm going back to doing some work or, you know, I'm going to do something else. That's, that's the content. I don't like starting a show or a movie because it's going to take a long time anyway. So YouTube these are the channels, easy allies, perfect little 10 minute game review or something great to watch. All right. Number four, probably one of my favorites, though. I don't go to it as much as I used to. And this is the one I've told you guys about before. Um, and it's super hard to pronounce. It's Kirk Kazak in a nutshell. So if you type in in a nutshell, you'll find it Kirk Kazak. Uh, I've heard them say it before. It is very hard to pronounce. I will spell it for you if you care, but these videos are incredible. K U R Z G E S A G T Kurzgesagt. In a nutshell, is what it's called. Kurzgesagt in a nutshell, and they do videos on all sorts of different stuff. They're animated videos. Um, they, they cite their sources for everything they're talking about. So they talk about things like what would happen if you nuke a city? Is, is organic meat better than regular meat? Um, what's the deal with weed? How about vaccines? I first found them because they did a video on the coronavirus. So when the pandemic first hit, I just searched like something about the coronavirus and I found that their, their video came up first. I was like, oh, I'll check this out. It was animated. It was very, very cool. Um, very, very, very cool videos. Um, Their, their, their research is great. They partner with big foundations in the world. Um, As the videos go on, they cite all their sources of what they're saying, but I find them to be very fair uh, views on, on subjects. Like they don't generally speaking, try to make you think a certain way. It's more just, here's the subject. Now, every now and again, they'll be like the findings of what we're saying is pretty much that this you know, is better than that or whatever. But, but the one on like organic food versus inorganic, they're like, basically like, it's not so much, you know, that organic food is better because it's not, they're like, there's lots of pesticides that are organic. They're still toxic to human beings just because it's organic. Doesn't mean there's a lot of things in nature. Like you can eat poison berries. They're organic. It's still going to fucking kill you. So they're, they're cool videos uh, about just things. They talk about just the, the biggest stars in the universe. And there's a video that they had on what is loneliness Um, but they're again, short videos, brilliant. Uh, my buddy, Paul Meyerhaw and I, when we were working together in Kingston, we sat and and fucking watched a bunch of them in an afternoon, just one after the other, because we were fascinated by them. But there's, there's, I think there's over a hundred of these videos on their, on their channel. And, uh, I, I couldn't possibly recommend them more, um, just on a myriad of subjects. So you know, I, I would definitely suggest them. Kirk in a nutshell. Um, like I said, if you type in K and then space in a nutshell, they should come up. Number three, the whiskey vault, same idea as game trailers. Um, for a period of time, um, I, I'm, I, I'm into whiskey. If you're a new listener, you don't know that from this episode, but I'm a whiskey guy. Um, I don't drink it all the time, but I've, I've traveled to Scotland to visit some of my favorite distilleries. Um, I have a relatively large collection of whiskey, um, I read on it. I have nosing kits. Like I like whiskey and just like if I'm going to try a video game, you know, spend a hundred bucks on a video game, spend hundred bucks on a bottle of whiskey at times. If, if I see something, a lot of times, if I see a bottle being advertised through the, uh, the LCBO, the liquor control board of Ontario, a lot of times I will go to the whiskey vault and, and see if they've reviewed it. The whiskey vault is a channel that's affiliated with the whiskey marketing school in Austin, Texas at the wizard Academy. It's the world's only official accreditation for whiskey sommelier. Um, they make their own whiskeys under the label crowded barrel. They, they do a ton of stuff, but the idea with the whiskey vault is they have a big vault full of bottles and odds are they've been doing videos for quite a few years now. Um, they also have another channel that they used to call whiskey biscuits that they now I believe call the whiskey tribe. And they've renamed it to the whiskey, the whiskey tribe is a group of magnificent bastards that, you know, I'm on their mailing list and everything like that. But the idea is that they would do different kind of funny things. Whereas the whiskey vault is literally them just in the vault, uh, reviewing a whiskey. They do four. Uh, they do five episodes a week, Monday through Friday, they release an episode and where they'll talk about a particular whiskey or whatever, uh, let you know a little bit of the history, talk about some of the notes that they smell and taste and whatever on the whiskey. And then on Friday they do their video, uh, is where they do rare whiskey Fridays. So it's a rare one and they talk about it and this and that. So it's a great educational thing. So if you want to learn more about whiskeys, the whiskey vault is great for that. Um, but it's also like if, I see something and I go, oh, that looks interesting. I'll, I'll look at the whiskey vault first and see if they reviewed it. And, and sometimes, you know, you might find they're like, they'll review it and say, it's very similar to this. And I go, oh, if it's very similar to that, I know I don't like that. Uh, or I do like that. And sometimes they will go, you know what? This one's just, it's not as good as the other ones. This is, I guess, maybe something special they did. And it's just a, a kind of a good way of, of learning a little bit more about it before you buy it right so just again checking it, it's basically just a a review uh uh of of whiskey stuff so whiskey vault is another youtube channel that i visit often again nice short 10 minute videos uh number 2 Cinemasc- cinemassacre cinemassacre is the name of the channel uh cinemassacre is the channel that makes uh the avgn angry video game nerd videos which are like 10 years old they've been doing them for a long time. And the Angry Video Game Nerd uh reviews old uh so he's got a few different things on there. So Cinemassacre has a lot of different projects that they do. Made by a guy named uh, James Rolfe. Uh he's the 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 on-screen talent for the vast majority of the stuff. He has a buddy Mike Matei that uh that did some stuff with him, produces some stuff with him and then they did a show called james and mike mondays where just the two of them would play a video game and just shoot the shit about it whatever and you'd watch them play a game and discuss it or whatever it is um but it did the angry video game nerd which is fun you go back and you can watch those videos and it's like him reviewing these old games they've even got a theme song he's gonna take you back to the past to play the shitty games that sucked ass like so he's like he's playing atari games and Nintendo games and Sega games. These are all the old games that sucked. They're very entertaining short videos, but they're entertaining. They're, they're well-written James in the earlier episodes. And I guess even some of them now, um, doesn't have the best camera presence. So he's like his, he's, he's a little, uh, monotone, not like He's not like uh, Stephen Wright where he talks slow like this. He's not like monotone, but he's just kind of like, he, he has like one one sound or whatever. And it's because he's trying to do a good job of narration, um, but he's very well, well-spoken and it's, uh it's articulated well. So when he's doing um, certain parts of reviews and stuff like that, and then he'll just get into the anger part with the nerd. Plus he's got all sorts of really cool special effects he does. And he'll have fights with, old game. It's a, it's a really fun channel. It's a really fun channel. Um, like I said, it's Cinemassacre massacre at C I N E, uh, massacre. And what's cool is I, James started off as a movie fan. Uh, I think his buddy Mike was the one who got him into the video game stuff, but James is a, is a cinephile big time and he's got all sorts of videos on like horror movies and all stuff. It, that was the video I was watching where he was talking about his favorite comedies uh, of all time. And I haven't watched it as much in the last few years, but uh, I started watching it again recently. Cinemassacre has... Uh, I think they do one now called like uh, rentals or something like that. Like movies that were old rentals and stuff like that. Um, he does something during Halloween called monster madness where every single day of the month he puts out a new review for a horror movie, but he's reviewed like all of the old, like Godzilla movies and some old horrors and stuff. You could, they've got 10 years of content on there and they're really fun videos. Uh, James, James's videos on, uh, on stuff. I remember watching the video. Like he'll do stuff on just like, hey, here's here's like, you know, what an old video store would look like or whatever. Like his he's one of those guys who's got like an entire basement just loaded to the tits with laser discs and, and VHSs and things like that. Um Really, really cool stuff. But I was watching one of the videos on him where he was just reviewing this book, Monsters in the Movies. And I've talked about that before. Monsters in the Movies was a book that was uh, made, done by John Landis, the guy who, you know, did American Werewolf in London, scared the shit out of me to cover the book is that. But, but watching this video a few years back when uh, James put it out was what, what showed me that, uh, that, that book. And I was like, oh, that looks amazing. And, um, you know, very, it's filled with, you know, it's, it's called Monsters in the Movies. Uh, 100 years of cinematic nightmares and super cool book still haven't got my hands on a copy. It's expensive. It's not out of print, but if you want like the nice hardcover one that James was showcasing in the video, it's, uh, it's hard to get your hands on, (coughs) excuse me, but I think I'm in love with the cover because the cover is quite literally the, the face of the, the werewolf from uh, American werewolf in London, which of course was directed by John Landis, the maker of the book. But, um, yeah, so, so they've got great stuff. Like Cinemassacre, you can find the Angry Video Game Nerd, you can find the Monster Madness stuff, you can find the James and Mike Mondays. Um, it's just a great hub of awesome videos. If you like movies and stuff like this thing too, like reviews of movies are great on there. I actually, just before I recorded the podcast, I was I had it on his channel trying to fall asleep this morning and I couldn't and uh, because the, the stuff that would pop on would either be interesting or just my arm was in so much pain I couldn't sleep. But... Um, I watched him review the Mortal Kombat movie talking about it. And I just, you know, the one I just watched the other night with Simon. So um they they put out content, new shit all the time. Um, it was cool to see the reviews. They're funny half the time. Like sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're not. Whatever. Cinemassacre one. This is taking a while, guys. Last one, pitch meetings. So I call them, um, my mom is the one who introduced me to these. Um, these are funny. These are these are on the screen rant channel. Um, but you'll find them if you, if you search pitch meetings and all for some reason on the pitch meetings, they always have the shows the characters from these movies with gigantic eyeballs. What's cool with the pitch meetings is. They basically, it's, it's designed to look like, you know, you're, you're looking at the guy who was pitching the idea of these famous movies. So he's in an office and it always starts with showing the doors to the office with whatever big companies thing, right? If it's a Sony picture, it'll say Sony. If it's Disney, it'll say Disney, whatever it is in the door. And then and, and the guy will always start. The producer guy will always start with this. So you've got a new superhero movie for me. Yes, sir. I do. And then he'll just start describing the movie, right? Like he's pitching the idea, but what's funny is obviously the movies have already been made. And, and, and it's like, he's going through the process of pitching the movie, but it's done in a comedic way where they, they just, they basically underline all the flaws of the movie, like what the story is. And then the, the producer guy will be like, yeah, but doesn't that make, doesn't that make no sense? That he's and that? Oh yeah. What, yeah. But didn't you just say that he did this, you know, he was never going to do that again. Oh, whoops, whoopsies. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I'm, I will not do it justice. Um, you, you need to watch these. They're called pitch meetings from screen rant. It's done by a guy named Ryan George. He plays both characters, the, the, you know, the writer and the, the, the producer executive guy. The first ones I watched were the ones from the Toby Maguire Spider-Man. So if you type in, you know, Spider-Man two or whatever pitch meeting, that was the first one I watched. It's, it's hilarious. Little things like that. Like, um, you know, you know, well, Dr. Octopus goes to, to get Harry, you know, and says he needs more tritium. And he goes, well, he says he'll give him tritium if he helps him find Spider-Man. He's like, well, does Harry know where Spider-Man is? He says, no, he doesn't. He's like, really? It's like, yeah. But he tells him Peter Parker takes pictures of Spider-Man. Really? Is that how it works? He takes pictures of him sometimes. So he knows where he is. He's like, that must be how photography works. And he's like, so how does he know where Peter, what, I think he goes, uh, what is it? Sorry, guys. I'm just like, I'm I'm trying to do the review. And he goes, uh, how does Doc Ock find Peter Parker? He's like, uh, you know, unclear. And he goes, so how does he get his attention? He's like, well, how did you get my attention when you came in the room? He's like, I threw a heavy printer at the back of your head. He's like, yeah, well, he's Doc Ock and he has super strong arms. So he throws a car at Peter Parker. He's like, wow, isn't Dr. Octopus lucky that Peter Parker was secretly Spider-Man or he would have been dead for sure. You know, it's just shit like that where they're pointing out the fact that it's like, oh yeah, it is lucky that he was Spider-Man because he threw a car at him and if he wasn't, he would have killed the person he was trying to get information from. So like funny, funny little things like that is just you know what the pitch meetings are. But they they basically even stuff that you like, uh even stuff that does really well, they'll find a way to sort of point out the flaws and the the silliness and it like the Dark Knight with uh, you know, Joker, one of the, you know, most celebrated superhero movies they point out all the absolute ridiculousness in that too. So they're again, five, 10 minute things. They're, they're like silly reviews of stuff, but he's got hundreds of them on the, on the channel. Um, and those ones are the ones. I mean, every single week there's new ones. So those ones are, are ones I tend to uh, to check out the most. But that's my that's my top five YouTube channels that I visit on a regular basis: Easy Allies, Kirk in a nutshell, Whiskey Vault, Cinemassacre, and uh, Screen Rants Pitch Meetings. So there you go, those top five. I I will not be as long with each one um, in the future, just because you know there's a lot of details of. I'm giving you the history on some of these fucking things, but, uh, but that was the top five. So if you're wondering like the kind of shit that's on my, on my YouTube, what I, what I view, I like watching documentaries on the streaming services, but for, for YouTube, I don't watch, uh, I don't watch those, those videos on, uh, you know, like, Oh, the top top 20 moments on big bang theory or whatever. Uh, you know, look at these celebrities you want. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't care. I don't watch entertainment tonight or any of that bullshit. Um, but there we go two hours. Are we over two hours? We are over two hours long on the one man podcast this week. I apologize for the, uh, the lengthy podcast. I hope it was interesting for you guys. Contact at onemanpodcast.com. Send me your top five. What are your top five YouTube channels that you visit and why, if you like, um, or alternatively send me a top five that you want to tell me something about yourself or request that I give you a top five, something, Josh, what are your top five blank? And I will, uh, I will answer. I will rank. I will elaborate hope you guys have a great week. Uh, don't take shit from anybody. If you think you deserve more than what you're getting, go out and make it yourself. I believe in you. You can do this. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to try not to do anything that requires a right arm. Eh? Huh? huh That's right. Won't be doing that. Uh, have a great week, guys, and I will chat with you again soon. Love Sam.